Hello, start this bitch from the beautiful Central Coast of California. It's the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show. Yeah, boy. That was a ferocious drink. You gulped it furiously. Full of piss and vinegar, don't worry. Hello, listeners. And welcome to another episode of the Spectacular Episode Show! With your host, James and Edward. This is episode 69, and this is a fucking heavy packed episode. Oh, bro. This is a long one, and this is going to be a spectacular one. We're not. We're here with. We're not. We're just here. We got a lot to talk about life. Let's see. You got stories. We got stories. hot or not. I got stories. We've got our brand new segment. You like you said hot or not. Thanks we to got good a friend Bone Steel. We got a Led Zeppelin album. We got the get the lead out. We've got a a very 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 packed Dark Side of the Ring, and we don't just have a main event. Okay, we have the main event. And then we have the dark match that they that they that they don't film after Raw goes off the air. We're covering. We're finally at the end of the road of Brett Michaels. And this is episode sixty nine. We could have stressed this out for two episodes, but I was like, "Fuck that! Let's just get this motherfucker done." And oh, it's yeah. episode sixty nine, so might as well. And listeners, there are timestamps if you ever just want to go to. Something specific. Yeah. I really don't care if you want to listen to the whole podcast or just a bit of it. You want to know why? Because I'm also like that too. So I'm not going to be the guy where it's like, oh, well, I would listen to the whole thing and be like, no, sometimes I want to be specific. Sometimes I want to listen to the whole thing. I understand. I don't get butt hurt over those facts. Really? So oh. timestamps. Yeah. Remember that shit. Now, what? Edward, what were we going to say? I was just going to ask real quick. Uh, you know how on Podbean you, we could see the stats. What does the little microphone mean? Because, like, there's the triangle, which is play, and then there's a microphone. Do you know what that means? That, like, follows... I think that's just a badge that I've earned. Well, apparently... That we've earned. Well, apparently... Well, by we've... I got you to, like, talk in a mic, and Well, then. apparently, that micro... We've earned 69 badges. So, our microphone stat, whatever the fuck it means, on Podbean is 69. James is extending his hands and looking up to the sky. Yes. Well, the ceiling. All right. But yeah, 69, I'm feeling man. you got more positive stories. For me, I got tragedies. I do. Do we want to start with the good or the bad? I don't know. We'll start with good. Okay. Bad's always more entertaining. Well, the good is twofold. One, uh, this is unrelated to the thing I went to, but um, I was looking on Podbean uh, recently again, checking our st- hot stat. Bro, we're almost at 2,000 plays, man. The last, like... Five between. Wait, five. do you have access to my account? No, this no, this is all just uh, publicly available stuff. Um, and when you click on each episode, you can see how many people have downloaded. Dude, for the last at least five, six, seven episodes, we've had like between twenty and thirty downloads, bro. I guess so. I We're don't fucking f- cool, dude. Enough, and that's uh, just might be Podbean downloads. I don't know if that that translates to. That's all why I, I keep asking if you could check the Spotify numbers, but I, d- I don't know if I can specifically check Spotify numbers. I can. I know what the percentage of people from Spotify are listening and other sources. Oh, how much is that? I don't know. I, oh, I 
I'll have to look it up. But yeah, no, so that's really cool. It just makes you feel awesome. And I wanted to, it probably sounds silly because, you know, it's like, why are they treating the 69th episode like an anniversary episode? Because we're fucking ballers and 69 is a baller number. It's a balling number. Fuck your 25. Our episode 50 suck balls, but this time we're fucking <laughs> making it up with 69. Fuck your episode 50s. And if you're going like, well, why don't you do the Comcast on this one? Well, we kind of fucked up on that, but... <laughs> We'll make it up in other ways. Believe me. Fuck your hundreds. You. Fuck your hundreds episodes and twenty five denom uh, um, twenty five count specials. We go by sixty nine equivalents. Um, but yeah, so that's why it's really awesome that we're ending Brett on sixty nine because it gives it. We we have smiles on our faces right now because it's like fuck, bro. We're ending Brett on sixty nine. This is fucking hype. But the uh, the good news was I went to Not Fest in L A California. That's like Not Fest light though. It's not like a there, Not Fest. Not there Fest. was seven bands. It's like I that's a pretty long bill, but I want to call that like a festival. It was eight bill. hours. Yeah, but Ish. I've been to WrestleMania that's eight hours, and that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm sure this eight hours is less bullshit. Oh, bro, let me tell you something. I'm gonna Tarantino it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You're say gonna it. jump around. I'm gonna. I'm You're gonna, gonna, I'm gonna set gonna, up a narrative that like. I'm gonna set up a narrative. Like, that it's I'm a gonna, little confusing at first, but then once you're paying attention, yeah. it all comes all around, and you're like, "Look at me, I feel smart." So the first thing I'm gonna I was say, watching this shit. So the first thing I'm gonna say is this: They might have well. You said WrestleMania. They could have called this Corey Mania. Or Corey Fest or Taylor Fest, and I'll get to that. But first, let me speak about <sighs> let me speak about my journey. I got to the place. I finally found the place to get to Seventh Heaven. Um, that was a uh, that was a, a Last Dragon reference, and so I got there, and parking was forty dollars <gasps> at the event. There were places nearby charging fifty, and I was like. Well, fuck that. So I, I have money. So I and, and and I was running a little on the late side um, and I couldn't really all any place that could have been free parking. You know, there was no place on the street for a good few miles, not miles, but like several blocks. Um, every lot was almost full. And I was like, man, you know what? Fine. 40 seemed to be the cheapest. So I went there and park. And then it's hard. I can't really articulate the distance between everything on the podcast. I can to you because you're right in front of me. But basically, what I want to tell you is this. I parked at the parking structure, had to go up some floors, and then I had to walk across the top of the parking lot and then across the uh, a grassy area. Now, I made a pit stop because Slipknot had a little museum. Hmm. It was pretty cool. Um, although... And this is part of the Tarantino plot point. I went up there and the lady said, hey, man, you got your wristband? And I actually walked away with two wristbands that day. And I thought, oh, it must be like admission wristbands or something. I said, well, no, I haven't checked in yet. And she said, OK, well, it's $20 to get it. And I'm like, eh, I just paid 40 for the parking. Eh, it's fine. Because I thought to myself, I have a big trip in December. So I'm trying to save up money for that. But I'm like, you know what? I'll have money for at least one bomb ass shirt or something. Cool. I get in there. It's really awesome. I took a bunch of pictures. They had a bunch of masks, instruments um, from them, even from Joey, um, um, and just a whole bunch of things encapsulating their history. Really glad I went in there. It was cool. If you're a Slipknot fan, it was pretty rad. So then I get to the gate to enter. And I'm like, okay. Shut the fuck up, me. <laughs> Sorry. I get to um, the entry gate. 
And then I hear a fan, and I had general admission floor seats. This is at the California Bank Stadium, and it's not the hugest stadium, but it's a pretty big one. Um, it's a big stadium, but neither the Rams or Chargers play there. That's at SoFi. Um, and I'm at the gate, and then I hear a guy tell me, hey, man, do you have general admission or ground seats? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, your entrance is literally on the other side of the arena. I was like, what? Because check this out. There were four entrances, I think five, but there was at least Dude, four it's entrances. it's a fucking arena. They should all interconnect. Why the fuck did you have to go walk the other goddamn side of this because bullshit building? each gate was a different entrance. The entrance I was at was like, How? the first one I was at was like general admission for seats. Then I walked around and I found another entrance. I'm like, okay, this must be it. No, that was VIP. Then I saw later there was another entrance, but that was for like media and media people and like family friends of the of the of the bands. So then, wow, you just can't <laughs> find the fucking right one. You, oh hey, the soup is too cold. The soup is too hot. <laughs> the soup is for important people. Or it's like the that, oh here's the right soup. Or it's like that thing from Courage the Cowardly Dog where it's like or it's like too much mac. Remember the mac and cheese bit? There's too much macaroni. There's too much cheese. And, he, and then they find courage finally makes Muriel the right mac and cheese. He's like, oh, perfect. Then she just throws it away. And she's like, I hate macaroni and cheese. That was like this. Yeah, so, but you didn't throw away going to the show <laughs> that day. Oh, I almost did. We'll see why. Mm-hmm. Oh, by accident. So I get to the thing. And then it, it's basically so I started at one end, ended up at the other. OK, so the thing is there. And I'm like, OK, I'll just go get in the line. The line outstretched the Coliseum. Like, if the Coliseum was, like, say, your table, the line went to, like... Well, it went to another fucking parking lot, okay? It was just a straight line. And you said you got there late? Well, no, not late from when I wanted to be there. Uh. I wanted to be there at, like, 1, 1 1.30. Okay. But I got there at, like, 1.30, and the shit's... No, no, I got there at, like, 1-ish, and the shit was gonna start at 2. So I get there. I'm waiting in line. It's all right. I'm talking to some peeps. Um, it's cool. Then I get up there, and then the lady's like, "Hey, can I see your uh, your thing?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure," because I think she's talking about my ticket. I pull out my ticket, and she says, "Oh no, <clears throat> I need your vaccination card or proof of a negative COVID test." And I was not aware. Oh shit! That it needed that. Oh shit! So I freeze up. Oh shit! You have a Oh, fuck. You weren't aware of that? Oh, new. Now, it's probably my bad, but I really don't recall seeing it on any of the social medias. And listen, I'll be up front, everyone. I don't have the vaccine. I'm not one of them passionate anti-vaxxers. So, you know, I'm not going to go into some big thing about that. But I personally decided to not get the vaccine. Um, and don't worry, listeners. I'm like triple vax. I yeah. got both shots and I got the COVID. And so I'll be on I'm antibodies to the maximum <laughs> fucking degree. And I'll be honest. These places want to enforce, you know, if they want to enforce you know the vaccination cards that part i'm kind of iffy on but if they just want a negative covid test i'm fine with that yeah you just need to like go get one a couple days out but the problem was i didn't have a negative fucking covid test (sighs) so i'm like oh you got in that's the thing because she said okay here's what you're gonna do sir we have rapid testing stations set up in the you place. are so fucking lucky. Yeah. You're and lucky she, that Slipknot is actually has the fucking buddy to do that. And so they... Like, um, I go to fucking bullshit club venue shows <laughs> and like, if you're fucked, you're fucked. Yeah. 
So you're lucky that you weren't fucked. Holy shit. So keep in mind, I just walked around half of the thing, right? So she's telling me, okay, you can go back the way you came and you'll find it. I'm like, okay, fine. I don't want to take up a lot of her time because there's a big line. So I walk around or whatever and then I meet these two dudes standing somewhere. Um, this guy and this gal, they're working security. And I'm like, hey guys, do you know where the rapid testing is? And then he's like, uh, give me a sec. He goes, talk to somebody. He says, okay, I don't know why that lady told you to go that way. You have to go that way. So now I had to retrace my steps, walk, and, and he's like, okay, go to the other parking lot there. You'll see a parking lot. Look for the 18 wheelers. And I said, okay, so I'm walking down the thing. And then this thing is not just the 18 wheelers were not just in the next parking lot. They were in the next parking lot across the street. And I'm like, that can't be right. But I'm walking through after walking down the extension of the where the line was through this other parking lot. I see this tent and this lady sitting there. And let me tell you, it's a warm day and I'm feeling the sweat. You're feeling the burn. So I get to the tent and I ask the lady, I said, Miss, do you know where the rapid, where the rapid testing is? And she said, ha ha. That's how she started. She went, ha ha. Okay, so I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to like this. And she said, okay, sweetie, so what you're going to do is you got to walk. You got to either walk back to where you came from or there's one around the corner. And I said, is it in a tent or a vehicle or something? And she says, well, I don't exactly know, but if you go, you'll find it. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to cut ahead a little bit. Eventually, I walked around to another security check and asked the guys. I'm like, do you guys know what the rapid testing is? You sound very gassed. And then the guy's like, uh, yeah, man, it's just right over there. Hey, do you need some water? And I'm like, I'm good. So I walk and I finally find the place. Do you want to know the fun, the, the funniest part about it is remember where I told you the first entrance was that I couldn't go in. The rapid testing was like 20 feet away from there. So I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm, I don't even have enough energy to be mad. So I get there and I'm like, miss, miss, are you the rapid testing? Well, I don't think you said it as dramatic as that. Oh, no, I did. I didn't say it, though. This is me putting on an act. I said it like that, but I was tired. I was out of breath. I'm like, miss. They've been making me walk all over. Testing. And she said, yes, sir, it is. I'm like, oh, my God, I've been looking for you for so long. She says, do you need a test, sir? I'm like, yes. Yes, please. And she said, okay, that'll be $40. Oh, 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 I just hung my head and I just went, okay. And then I had to wait 10 minutes. And this woman that shoved the Q-tip up my nose, she, I don't know if it was her or the Q-tips, but it was awful. My nose was on fire for like 10 minutes. Obviously, my test was negative and I was able to get in. Wait, but so she reached deep in your brain? Uh, they had these little Q-tips in, in, in little, um, like, self-contained bags to use per person. And, yeah, she got, it was, like, a long one. She just, like, I don't know how far she got up in there, but no COVID test I ever took did that before at all. My shit was burning. My nose felt yeah, like no, it was no, leaking. Wait, I've heard of, like, some COVID tests where they just fucking jam that shit yeah, right, yeah, up, yeah. right up in there. 
Oh man. But then the COVID test I've had is just a, like a nice gentle swab around in your nostril. Yeah. That's the ones I usually get. Those are fun. But they're rapid testing. So it's like, all right, motherfucker, yoink. Yeah. <laughs> get janked. We need your brain matter. Okay. So can I recap? It was $40 to park. $20 for the museum. Which is what I found out because they gave me a green wristband that said I didn't have the COVID, which I found out later if I had that. I would have been able to get into the museum for free. Wow. What and then 40, I spent a hundred extra dollars. Okay. 20 of it was optional. I spent 80 extra dollars to get in to that's, that's gas money for me for like a month. It's like, I don't remember if it was like a hundred dollar ticket. I don't remember how much general admission was. I'm pretty sure. I know it was less than 200, but it wasn't after this. So that was fine. But honestly, the bands were all good. Uh, the opening act was a band called Vended, which is I have some bones to pick with this not fest. And I'll get into that. But I want to focus on the positives. Vended was pretty interesting. And this was pretty it was pretty all right. And the singer sounded a lot like Corey Taylor, <laughs> which I'll get into. Um, but they were fine. Um then next was Code Orange. That was one of the bands I went for. I was a little salty. They weren't higher up on the bill, so they could have a little more time, but it was fine. They played it. They ripped. Uh, Reba's got tattoos now, and she 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 still looks like a babe. Um, but they were great. They were fun. Fever 333 was interesting because I had only really heard their big song, uh, Made in America, and I was like, I don't really know what to think of these guys. I got to tell you, they're pretty fun live. Really fun. They have a lot of like hip hoppy like influences in there. You sure there's not thing. Rage Against the Machine? Well, they they did have well, there's more electronic stuff. Like it wasn't just Rage was throwing in like funk and hip hop elements to like their bass lines and guitarists. These guys were like, no, here's like some hip hop beats and here's some electronics that they didn't even have a bassist. It was the singer, the drummer, who there was one point where he did a drum solo, but he also with his other hand was like fucking around with like some uh electronic some pad. Yeah, some pad. It was pretty cool. The guitarist literally, a uh, guitarist was a black fella, and he literally looked like if Lenny Kravitz was in a metal band. Like, he looked a lot like him, especially in the 90s when he had his short hair, uh, but he had all the colorful tats. They did some really, you know, I like their energy, man. They jumped around a lot. Uh, there was a part where, there was a part where the singer grabbed two speakers, and then he, at some point, he, like, took off his shirt, and then... I didn't see this part. He like took off his pants too, went to the back, grabbed the surfboard, uh, a skateboard. skateboard, and then he took the skateboard and then he ollied off the thing and 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 stuck it. And he went into the crowd. They were throwing stuff. They kind of stage energy rise. They kind of reminded me of like old Beastie Boys in the sense, you know, they were just three dudes. They would just jump around and just. And just and just fuck around with shit. I got to tell you, the highlight almost might have been Killswitch Engage because holy shit, man, you've seen them live when they do when they busted out Rosa Sharon. That place blew up. It was it was it was pretty. Like, what would I give? Oh, dude, high high school me was so happy. They were really awesome. Oh, okay. So then, Bring Me the Horizon is the co-headliner before Slipknot. There was a act between Slipknot and Bring Me the Horizon. Cherry Bombs. The Cherry Bomb is a troop of dancers, like circus troupe, but they choreograph their stuff to heart to heavy metal music. Um, the woman who runs that is Corey Taylor's wife. 
<sighs> Which leads me to the thing about Vended. And this was part of my bone I had to pick with Not Fest and why I said they should have called it Corey Fest. The singer for Vended is his son. The only thing missing was Stone Sour. Is that nepotism? <laughs> this feels like some Vince McMahon nepotism. Unless this is birthday, because I'm being nepotistic and playing all four of my projects on my birthday for a house But that's house like show. a meme. This is Corey Taylor trying to sell me his son and, and wife and their artistic endeavors. His wife went on after Kill Switch Engage before Bring Me the Fuck. And I get it. They have fire and lights and the sun needed to go down. But the fact remains... They put them on After Kill Switch before Bring Me the Horizon. Their second song wasn't even a metal song. It was Nine Inch Nails. And it wasn't even a, one, of, one of Trent Reznor's more like metal sounding songs. Um, I was pissed off, though, because that, that song came on. And I literally, no shame, went, fuck yeah, it's Nine Inch Nails! Sang the words to the whole song. No one around me, around me reacted too much. Oh, but the next song was Du Haas, and everyone was like, yeah, Ramstein. I'm like, you fucking people. But yeah, and then Bring Me the Horizon, I got to say, I was impressed. Um, I've always, it, I was, I was kind of a bitter boomer because I was like, why didn't Kill Switch Engage get this big of a reaction? Because, you know, Kill Switch Engage was like the, the base for a lot of bring me the horizon kind of bands but i gotta tell you man they they were pretty good live they were fun they were fun and slipknot came on and i i'll tell you um slipknot was good very good um at least you didn't have to see iowa in its entirety <laughs> my issue Corey taylor needs better stage banter every single time he got on the mic to talk and address the crowd there's always these bunch of you bunch of crazy motherfuckers my crazy motherfuckers out there crazy motherfuckers my friends and family you are my friends and family it meant so much for us to be here you have no idea how much it meant for us to be here to be here for us to be here you crazy motherfuckers i'm like Corey, i get it i get it the new masks look sick, though. They're way better than the ones they had for We Are Not Your Kind. I gotta say that right now. Corey's new mask is his best mask since All Hope is Gone, which I still think is his best one. But, yeah. Oh, but then when they started, the it was just like when I saw Nine Inch Nails. The crowd just... There was no place to stand in that crowd. It, everyone was like, moving forward and moving back. I had no control over my body. Where were you in Slipknot? Oh, I was like... I was like, um, I was close to the stage at the time. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, we were like, everything's moving forward and moving back. And like, you must be close to the yeah, stage. Yeah, pushed around. Um, but then I'm just like, you know what? Fuck this. So I'm trying to get out, right? Um, but there's too many people. I can't get out. But some cool dudes make a hole for me. And I'm like, okay, great. But it leads me to the guardrail. Now, the Guards on the other side are like, hey, man, you need to get out. I'm like, yeah, there's no door there. There's a wooden step, but it's on the other side. And it's so the guards can step on it and lift people out. So I had to haul my entire fat ass over the gate and like three guards pulled me over. Skinned my damn knees. None, no one in the crowd wanted to help because they were too busy being like, I'll never kill myself to save my soul. And then I had to take the walk of shame down the center place. I did get to walk close to the stage and wave hi at Corey Taylor. 
I don't think he saw me, but I got to wave at him. And then the whole show, I the rest of the show, I was just standing off on the side going like, <sighs> yeah, I'm not hanging out up there. I think I'm getting just psychosocial. Psychosocial. They're pretty good. Um, too much fucking around though. They only play for an hour and a half, which I think when you're a headlining band, that should be that's the bare minimum, you know. Um, but there was a lot of like almost minutes long of just ambient stuff between some songs. Corey took forever to talk sometimes, and they only played two songs off the first album. It was uh, "Wait and Bleed," and then they closed with "Spit It Out." They didn't play "Sick." They didn't play "Eyeless." They didn't play. Uh, they oh, they didn't play uh, "Surfacing." <sighs> But no, it was it was still a good show. That was the new song live. Well, I told you when I first listened to it, my thoughts I were have not listened to it. If you're asking me, real, no, like, I wasn't gonna. I but I remember telling you, I was like, well, it's a Slipknot song. It's a Slipknot single specifically. I didn't say that, but that was my thought. And I heard it live. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, it sounds like a Slipknot song. <laughs> I mean, Slipknot plays all their fast songs live usually for their sets. So I mean, it was just constant that one thing. But no, it was a good show. Um, I'm glad I went. Um, that was pretty much the whole thing. Uh, I made it home safe. And uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, other than getting my ass kicked all day. Man, I'll tell you what. I forgot how much mosh pits hurt. I haven't moshed in like almost two years. And like, fuck, dude. I couldn't take some of those hits like I used to. But no, it was good times. Despite the Corey Taylor uh, nepotism. <laughs> It does sound like a pretty fun time. Yeah. It sounds like a big old metal festival. I haven't done that in a minute, and I have no desire to go to one at the moment. So, mm. like, I like I saw, like, a homie on Instagram share his story of, like, him sharing some of that stuff. So, I did see a little bit of, like, that, like the Fever 333. Mm-hmm. I saw the, like, forget, what was it? The Death Pops? Cherry Pop? What cherry was, Bombs. Cherry Bombs. And I'm just like, that looks fucking dumb. <laughs> Just give me the fucking tunes. Then I realize <laughs> I hate metal festivals. Why do they got to do stupid gimmicks to break up the music? But then I'm like, you know what? That's just me. That's just me. That's just me. I'm only going to trip on that. There was a lot of it. fights, too. There was this one. There was Fuck. This, I could believe it. There was this fight that broke out like 10 minutes before Slipknot came on. From what I can understand. Before a band was playing? Yeah, before That sounds Slipknot. dumb. Apparently, what had happened was there was this guy. He, uh, there was, I don't know if they were together, but there was a guy and a girl standing somewhere. Well, one guy came up to the girl, and apparently, I heard two different versions. I heard he tried to just take her drink, and I also heard that he tried to hit on her, and the other guy was her boyfriend. And then at some point, I guess the guy hit the woman, and then the guy hit the other guy, and bro, I saw him throw up. This dude like Falcon punched the the, the offender hands. in the face. It was like, oh shit! The thrown hands, son. Throwing yeah, yeah. hands. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I, I got along well, pretty well with the crowd. Um, I guess you could call it a new metal crowd or whatever this new subsect of people um are together. I guess you could just say new metal crowd. I, I vibe pretty well with them. I, I gotta say, you know, I've been to thrash shows, uh, death shows and punk shows. And like I get on with people pretty okay there. But I don't know, there was something there was a lot of a lot of wide diversity of people there, young and old, but not just that. There's like, you know, people of different um, you know, people of different a lot of people of different races, a lot of women, um, you know, um, you know, black guys, black gals, um and and my favorite people to go to shows with some rowdy Mexicans because Los Mexicanos we know they know how to get down, oh man. Um, but no, it, it was cool. It was cool, and there was a lot of like just diversity in people's taste too. And I, I really vibed with that. 
Overall, sounds like a fun show. Yeah, some bullshit I could have done without, of course. Oh, yeah, no, the fucking COVID, like the emergency COVID test and actually having to pay for that. Sounds like it fucking sucked ass. I wasn't happy. And then for in what else really kind of sucked ass? Well, getting hauled over the gate sucked. Yeah, that too. So <laughs> my body's still sore, if I'm honest. All right, then let me tell I'm just getting a timestamp. Yeah, because we got a packed show listeners. Timestamps, remember that. So let me tell you my fucking disasters this week. Sure. My my motherfucking tu- this is my fucking Tuesday. So I'm at work. I got I'm got my cam- I'm getting my camper van serviced at the shop, and I get a call, and I'm like, all right, what's the bad news? What's going to be need repaired? I get the call, and the shop owner tells me, so your van got towed away. What? And I'm like, okay. And then he's just like, yeah, fucking, they just fucking, like, towed it off and stuff. I just, like, parked out in front of my shop, and they just freaking just, like, got, uh, like, I checked my cameras. It's towed away. I'm like, well, damn it. What the fuck for? Because I guess where he parked it in front, like, he parked my van in front of a tree that was getting, tr- that was getting trimmed by the city. And I guess there was a sign that says no parking here on, like, this time and whatever. But like, the city got the cops to tow it away. And I'm like, well, how do I get it back? And I like check my money. I am also kind of broke. I can only and then like I like how to go like okay. I need to make some phone calls. Where I had first called the police department and it's like yeah. So you need to come down here, fill out a release form, an impound release form, and pay a two hundred forty seven dollar fee. Then you got to go to the tow yard, the impound lot, and go pay their fee, which was three hundred sixty dollars. What the fuck? And then you can get your van back. And I'm like, bitch. So, but the shop owner, he's like, I can only like cop half of it. And I'm like, I can only cop half of it too. So I went fucking flat broke that day. Freaking trying to do that and also get some groceries for the rest of the week. Which that was a fucking disaster because I go to the freaking police station. Like I had to go talk to my supervisor because the impound lot closes closes at five. So I had to go talk to my supervisor. Luckily, I was able to get out at three o'clock time. And then I was able to have good friend Dylan to help me like freaking chauffeur my ass around when I'm like freaking jumping back from jumping back and forth with these vehicles. But I had to go to the police station, wait 20 fucking minutes for someone to come up. It was like a chief officer. He had some paperwork. At first, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to release your. I wasn't planning on releasing your car because the registration's behind. But I'm like, yeah, but I had a shot getting repaired. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm going to release it today. And I'm like. Oh, thank fucking God. Yeah. So I had to pay the freaking $247 in cash. Fuck. They like you. So that's why I had to leave early. Make sure I can get some cash for that. Then I went to the impound lot and freaking paid for that. And then eventually was able to go through that disaster. Fuck. I didn't know about that. Well, dude, we didn't jam this week. Well, yeah, but still. Yeah. So fucking how to deal with that. And then I played a show last night. And holy fuck, that was a fucking disaster. Like going to the like the traveling to the show, showing up, like we kind of show up a little too early, and I'm like, just too early. Now I'm just kind of bored hanging around and just we're dicking around playing DJ with my singer's phone <laughs> and stuff, just playing whatever. Just old school death bell and all that stuff. And like the show was cool, but our fucking set was a fucking disaster. So oh, I had no. a backline their kit, and I was trying to rush to get that kit set up. And I kind of got it all right, but like sometimes backlining kits, like sometimes I'm always going to fuck up a little bit and like we're backlining their stuff. But dude, when I'm playing the set, holy fuck, this is one of the most gassed and one of the most cramped up sets I've played. Jesus. I could not. I was just like, there's points where I'm like, dude, I'm dying back here. 
And like my fucking like bandmates, they're just like in between songs, won't fucking shut the fuck up. Won't, won't shut the their freaking instruments off. I'm like, well, I guess I gotta jump into the next fucking song. And I'm like, dude. And like my sticks are flying. This was one of the most disaster sets. But people really liked their shit. There's a couple pe- peeps that really, really liked their shit. And I'm like, that was one of the worst fucking sets I played. Oh. I didn't say that. I was just yeah, like, yeah. thank you. Because I eventually learned like, I don't know. I watched like a video on YouTube of like how how to receive compliments as a gentleman. And most and like for sure is not you tell them, oh, where they compliment you and go like, oh, no, this is a fucking dumb disaster. <laughs> I'm like, no, I was just like, thank you. Thank you. That was a hard set for me. But thank you. And I, was, I was like, this is one of my worst fucking sets. And everyone's like, oh, dude, this is one of your tightest sets. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck you want? I literally said like, well, I guess I practice enough where I play dog shit and it's tight. Yeah, I guess so. I'm like, fuck, that was a disaster. And then today, right before I come out to podcast, because like freaking I can't I came home late, so I didn't want to unload the equipment. Oh, yeah. I come out to my come out to my vehicle and I find that both my guitar players' guitars and like freaking guitar pedals have been stolen out of my vehicle. And yes, I was a dumb fuck that I didn't lock my car. But this was in my condo complex, and I never, and I've had more pricey, I had more expensive shit hanging out my vehicle before. So this is like the run, the one chaotic time someone came in and actually wanted to jack my shit. I don't know when they jacked my shit. Don't like ask me that because I couldn't tell you. I just freaking just walked out of my car and stuff was gone. But luckily, they didn't steal the guitar amps. Those would have been way more pricey. Like one of the guitars was kind of inexpensive. Yeah. And one is a little bit more pricey, but not, but still under five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Those heads could have gone for like close to a grand. Yeah. That would have been expensive. None of my drum stuff was stolen, but that was a fucking disaster where I had to file a police report. Me and the fucking police, I swear to God. Like, at least this wasn't one of the more easy police reports. This wasn't where like, sorry, sir, we need you to go online and fill it out online. <laughs> yeah. Thank God this cop's like, ah, I got nothing better, dude. I can do it for you. I'm like, oh, thank God. And I had to like explain everything, got an email where I need to go collect pictures. But then obviously I got angry bandmates at me going like, you should have locked your car. You should have locked your car. It's like... Fine, I guess. Sorry, it's like, damn it, I've wit. I like, I'm wit, dude. I feel just as bad as you got, even worse. I'm just like, I don't like locking my car, but I guess someone actually came in and stole bulky shit out of the car. I don't know when they did that, but that fucking sucked ass. Unless it was someone in the complex that stole the shit, but dude, that fucking sucked. So yeah, I'm dealing with that. Those are my like quick disasters. Friggin' dude, yeah, I know. Getting my fucking van towed and having to go run through that and still waiting for $300 to be paid from the shop owner. But he's fucking broke. So, like, I had a friggin', like, I was, like, penny pitching for, like, three days. And then friggin' bad fucking set, which I thought for me is, like, oh, this is going to be a great show. This is going to be one of the things. And then the great show is, like, I played, like, total dog shit. I hated it. But on the contrary... A lot of homies did love the set. Like the headlining band loved the set that like asked us to come out to play. They thought we played tight. I thought there was smoking bullshit. But fucking, that's totally fine. There's a decent amount of peeps. I wouldn't say it's one of the more rowdier sets, but from some of the footage, it seems like our thick, filthy riffs got some violent headbanging going. So I'm like, you know what? I can take where it is. I can take where it is. And plus the homie van, Grave Void. Those dudes, they played a really fun set. And there was like, dude, it was a war zone for us. I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, not bad. Yeah, a lot of homies got the fuck down. And yeah, it was like a filled out warehouse show. So like the show overall itself was fun. 
It was just hell for me during my fucking set that I had to play. That fucking sucked. But I think I took some lessons. Not spend a whole day, not a whole day prior, not sleep all day the day prior. And then like, I should have maybe just kept myself warm throughout the whole week. Took a lesson on that. So won't do that again. But the drive home and all that stuff was fine. The transition, the journey, all that stuff was fine. It's just our set was dog shit. I want nothing of it. Also, as the show was, like, wrapping up, as like, Final Band play, and we're kind of hanging out, talking to peeps and stuff. This one weird old, older, like, friggin', like, um, this one older punk was, like, talking to my singer as he has, like, a friggin', uh, shirt that has a bunch of names of, like, innocent people that were killed by the death penalty. And this dude just started talking to him, but kind of railing my singer at the same time. Oh, no. Which I'm, like, singer is like, okay, I'm kind of serious how, uh, my, because my singer's, uh, Pretty intelligent on a lot of his like, yeah, a yeah. Lot, like a lot good of his friend, stances. Good so. friend Oscar is a very like politically like aware and like like wise up person, and not you know in the sense of like one political allegiance or another. Just in the re- in that realm of stuff, he's the realm, very educated. He's very educated in what he believes and what he like, what he like. Well, I would say advertise, but what he represents. Yeah, he's very educated in his stances and stuff too. But this dude was talking to him, giving him in like the stereo. He was like, "All right, what happened if your family was like all in their house, and I had a like a dumb family member break into your house, trying to find some stuff, trying to get money for dope, and he had a gun, and he killed all your family members? Should he get the death penalty?" And my singer's like, no, I don't believe he should get the death penalty. Even if he did execute all my family members and stuff. I just don't believe that. And he's like, why? He's like, personal my beliefs, I'm just a Christian person. And I believe just passiveness and people shouldn't be like, shouldn't be punished with death. And this dude just started going with it. Because then he started like challenging Christian beliefs. And he's like, critical thinking. You come on with all the science and stuff. Like, none of this reels. And he's like, yeah, but I can still believe what I believe, and you can believe what you want to believe. And this dude was just trying. I was like, no, no. And it's like, I'm kind of curious to see how Oscar handles this. I'm like, I'm like, my other bandmate's like, dude, I'm getting so pissed at this guy. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, no, this is interesting. I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. Because this dude was just like, at times, just not letting my, like, singer talk. And I'm just like, this guy's dumb. <laughs> yeah. This guy be dumb. Like, he's being, like, he's trying to, like, push the critical theory, but it's, like, there's a lot of just, like, what he's, like, arguing sounds like there's a lot of personal resentment you're, like, spewing on my that's what, singer. That's so. what people like that guy look for, though. They find someone that even vaguely represents or agrees with stuff they don't like, and then they, you, whatever that guy doesn't like, he saw Oscar and saw him as, like, a representation of everything he doesn't like, and then at that point, he, at that point, he's just, no matter how well spoken he is well, he's like, he's saying, just like i've asked people these questions before and they always backpedal and i'm like all right well usually oscar holds this like composure pretty well i'm kind of curious it was a pretty interesting conversation i was like i'm just sitting there I was like i'm watching this and i'm like hmm all right this is pretty fun but like in the end it kind of just like fizzled out and the guy kind of fucked off and did something else and then we're all just kind of hanging around bullshitting with some of the other peeps but yeah no as i said the show itself was fun it was a fucking disaster me playing but if people thought my playing was tight with me playing horrible that sounds like you were tight bro i guess so sounds like you were proficient here's the thing let me put let me put it this way i couldn't play how i wanted to play yeah but it seems like when i can't play how i want to play it might sound good to people so you know what i practice and practice helps. Yeah, take that, Dylan. All right, listeners. Give a... Like, uh, let me rewind. All right, listeners. 
We're about to whip out our new hot segment. Let me get the bumper set up and we'll get this bitch going for hot or not. Yeah. That's hot. All right, listeners, you ready for some fucking hot or not? Let me pull up what good friend Jake has like sent me earlier today. I love that. He had a description bumper. for this too. So let what me, do you say? Oh no! All right, the track we're checking out today is called "Panty Christ by Dana Denatata. 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 Yeah, it's like D E N T A T A. Dentata. 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 So, a song by Dana Dentata, which good friend Jake described to me as like, here's a blur for you guys on air if you want to give the listeners some insight. Dana <laughs> Dentata. Dentata. King D. King D. All right. Dana Dentator Tots is a former metalhead who's casually making some of the most in your face, empowered rap that you'll likely hear this year. And I wrote down what? And I wrote down, hmm, Penny, Penny Christ. Also, here's a picture of her. She kind of looks familiar, I'll be honest. Did, well, have you ever heard of her? Wait, what'd you say her name was? I'm going to Google her while the Dana song's playing. Dentata. Okay. Or Dentata. All right, here's the song. <laughs> The song Panty Christ, all one word. Oh shit. What? No, it's just like the track's so loud. Oh. Tell that guitar's Did she say I think I might be Frieza? I don't know. Well, this is through Roadrunner Records, so that for sure says something. Of course. Okay. Ooh, hard than slow. I do like that. Well, this definitely sounds like a metal artist made it. Made yeah. this. Yeah, I really don't got any witty like comments on this. It's not that reverb, bro. Or delay. Ooh, you hear the turntables? Is that a fucking chainsaw? No, that's her voice. I thought that was a chainsaw. I thought she that was a chainsaw too. I thought she was a chainsaw gun. Well, her flow's all right. I'm like, this ain't bad. At least a little variety. Yeah. Stepping up. Alright. I guess. Oh shit. Oh, 
You hear that? And now bro? we step it down. Oh. Bang your fucking heads. section wait that's it yep all right shut up all right let me like shut off like why was that song called panty christ oh well i have a feeling the lyrics related something related to feminism well i i kind of i kind of was i kind of heard that but anyway oh don't worry okay so that was uh panty christ by Dana Dentata by Dana Dana Dentata Dentata. I'm gonna fuck up this name forever. (laughs) I hope he doesn't make me listen to this again. All right, what's your comments on that song? Uh, Well, we're only supposed to give hot or not. We can't give a hot like in the middle. Um, hot in the middle. Well, you can say comments that leads to if it's hot or not. Well, I'll say this. It's better than last week. Um, I appreciated that the song definitely had some variety. Um, she's got good flow, um, and good, um, good, uh, charisma with her rapping. I must say, um, you can tell she has a lot of confidence, and and I like that. She feels like she's a natural. Uh, I, I buy into it. Uh, I I liked the instruments. Um, the guitars sounded like a little too. What's the word? Not fake, but just kind of like. Bro, come on. This is made in the year of our Lord of twenty twenty one. This is most likely done by one lady. So I have a feeling, like a fucking course, these goddamn guitars are gonna be through, run through an amp sim. No, I liked how dancey it was though, and then that like half step down, uh, break, uh, half speed break at the end. That was cool. I liked it. I liked that it went somewhere and evolved. It wasn't just one thing the entire song, like uh, like last week's song, you know. So I would say it's a hot. I would give it a. You're hot. gonna give it a hot. All right. Here's my comments on the song. It definitely is one thing I can for sure con- like say is that. The song does feel like it is made by a metalhead. Yeah. This is like a this if you ask me if like this is a metalhead trying to make rap, I would definitely say that. Yeah. Because especially there's the changes, especially if there was like I don't know if there was a chorus or you just have a verse that flowed into that one soft like chorus bridge or whatever. Yeah. And then it was back into a verse and then drops down, steps down. For sure, those are dynamics that you would hear in metal songs. In rap music, I don't hear it that much. Usually yeah. rap music tends to be a little bit more straightforward. So yeah. I don't know how to say as a rap song. Like if I, if I wanted to grade it as a good song, I would say as a good song. And I would give it a hot. But my personal preference, I'm not going to lie. It was like, okay. Like, bro, I was listening to some Fire 3-6 Mafia songs last night. <laughs> that shit was bumping. And I'm like, that shit's hot. But this song for me, personally, I'm just going to say not. Three six mafia. Like and to me, it's just like I get it, I get it. But my personal preference, like I don't care. <laughs> I just kind of just don't care. I thought it was the fine. song didn't light my world on fire. I didn't light mine on fire, but I I think it's a good song, and I think it being a good enough song is to is to give it a hot. It sounds like she's uh, kind of uh, new. It sounds like this is a new thing for her. So I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to keep track of her, but like I would definitely like not be opposed to uh, you know on my own time checking out her stuff. It's uh, it ain't half bad. Ain't half bad. A lot of potential. Um, it feels very new metal-y, but not like... See, and that's one thing I might not care for, too. It sounded a little new metal-y in that realm of, like, you know, metalhead trying to be rapper. 
but that was the thing. That's like, that's like, that's like that, um, it's like that weird, not copy paste, but that just kind of like, it, it was like that kind of new metal that was like out in like the very late nineties and early two thousands, you know, like long after corn and slipknot had been established, you know, um, where they were really trying to lean into the hip hop thing. But you can hear that with some bands like, um, like Skindred and stuff. And, um, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad. I, uh, I liked it. Good song. Good song, Jake. What's up? What was the question? Oh, no, I said good song, Jake. Good song, Jake. For sure, if you want to be like a new metal fan, yes. But for me, I'm not a new metal fan, so that's why I'm going to go with a not. Maybe controversial. No, I mean, I mean, I don't really know what our demographic of listeners is like. You know, maybe maybe they're just like, yo, that guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Or they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this James guy is so dumb. Yeah, no, I'm just like, well, what James what does so dumb. what does he like? I'm like, I don't even know what I like. All right. <laughs> Let's fucking get into it. Time to bust out the notes. Let's let the let out. What do we listen to today? I mean, this week. <laughs> I don't know why I went today. <laughs> uh well, uh fuck, I just I, I had to scroll up my notes and god, there's a lot. Um so yeah, here we go. We listen to the second to last Led Zeppelin album called In Through the Outdoor, which every time I hear that it reminds me of the pre-chorus for Raspberry Beret by Prince cuz it says, "She walked in through the outdoor, outdoor. She wore a raspberry." Okay, so the album is technically the last true album because I forget how not long it was or wasn't, but uh, I think it was like a year or something after this album came out, maybe even less time, uh, John Bonham had passed away. Um, they did release an album a few years later, which we're still, which we're going to look at next week called Coda. But this is, in a lot of respects, you could argue this is truly the last Led Zeppelin album. And if this is going to be the last album that, that you know people judge their legacy by, I got to be honest, it's kind of weird. It's a lot. Not a lot as in, oh, there's so much to talk about, but like, it's such a jump from their other stuff. It's it's really, it's interesting. Track one is called In the Evening. Um, It has this atmospheric like intro, a lot of space sound. Sounds cool. And then I hear Plant go, in the evening. I'm like, wait a minute. I know this song. This first one in the evening. It's a radio punisher, but I, I always remember being a good one. Plant sounds as far removed from his old voice as he could be. Um, like on the last one, it was like he just sounded bored. This one, his voice just sounded older. That was the only way I could describe it. It was just like, you know what, man? I've been doing this for 10 years and I can't hide it anymore. I can't do the ooh anymore. So I'm just going to do work with what I got. A lot of synthesizers. <laughs> Um, it sounded a bit like Foreigner and it was a good catchy song, maybe a little long, uh, because three and a half minutes in, I thought, man, it'd be a good time to end the song, but no, they needed to do a guitar solo, but yeah, it's fine song. All right. For me, for song one on this album, yeah, because I don't, I can't remember his fucking name in, through, in, in through, the evening, in the evening is yeah. the song in the evening or the album called in through the outdoor. The album's called in through the outdoor. All right. And the song is called in the, in evening. the evening. All right. Now I'm caught up. Sorry. I was like doing timestamps and all this technical <laughs> bullshit over here, but I'll tell you what I thought of song one. This had a good riff mm-hmm. and it was a solid groover mm-hmm. and the solo was a ripper, but it started dragging a little bit. It dragged. And it also sounds like Zeppelin has money <laughs> with all like the synthesizers and like freaking big oh, orchestra. Man, they got money. 
Implant really sounds old. And around here, I suggested you was like, I'm giving these songs number ratings. And I give yeah. this a six out of ten. Yeah, I would have um I would have probably given this um a meh six. Or is a six a meh or is that an alright? Whatever. Yeah, no, a six. Well, is I, fair. This didn't offend me. Yeah. So I feel like a, a meh six is a good number. All right, number two. Number two is a song called, uh, sorry, I'm just writing down the number here so that I know. Um, song two is called South Ben Suarez or whatever. Uh, it's a 50s throwback if I ever heard one. Had those like, you know, old rock and roll and pianos and an upbeat. The pianos. And the upbeat melody to it. It was fine. This was a fine song. Play has a little more life in this song. I gave this one, a, uh, I would have given this one a six as well. See, for me, I wrote down this was a driving piano boy, and it also had a really fun groove. Like, the piano was really busy in driving. But you know what? I actually enjoyed this, so I'll give this a 7 out of 10. I didn't feel eh. I'm like, you know what? This is good. All right, song three. Song three is a tune called uh, Fool in the Rain. And like, bro, the first note of the song, I was just like, I remember this too. I remember this song. See, I don't remember song one as a radio punisher, but maybe you were having a lot. Maybe you listened to let the let out. more Get than the I let did. out. Get the let out. My favorite get the let out bit uh, was when they would do um, where they would have like weeks uh, like once. No, it was like Wednesday. I think they would uh, would be just Led Zeppelin live stuff. And man. I love hearing songs like Immigrant Song get stretched out to like eight fucking minutes just so just so Paige can rip it on guitar. But yeah, this is one of the few uh, this is one of the few radio punishers I am vocal about liking. I always liked its melodies and the guitar and piano are really in tandem with each other. And then the change up with the acoustic guitars were good, too. And then they do that like weird, like fast, vaguely like samba beat with all the effects and then back into the main riff. Good song. This one I liked better than the other one. So I, I gave it a seven. Oh, for me, uh, song three, I wrote down, holy shit, a radio Punisher. <laughs> and I was like, dude, this sounds like a PBS after school special to me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. It just sounds like a PBS after school special. But Bruh. the song gets punishing and I cannot give it a seven. Like, that's I kind of want to like it, but it's a six. I think that's why I was like, you know what? This is just keeps going. You're not. I was going to give you a seven. <laughs> but no, I'm giving you a six. It you kind of offended me a little bit. It attacked you. When you said PBS, the first thing my mind went to was like Roly Poly Oly and the fucking Teletubbies, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, you can imagine the fucking Teletubbies dancing around the hill to this fucking song. <laughs> it's like, look, Tinky, look at the look at the band I just discovered today. Ow, 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 ow. Okay, it's not an ow, ow, ow. <laughs> no, I know, I know. So song four is called Hot Dog. No, seriously, it's called Hot Dog, and it made me think of Mickey Mouse because he he says that sometimes. Oh, boy. And this is straight up a rockabilly tune. They brought back that saloon piano. Plants trying to be Elvis. I don't think I hated it, but it made me chuckle. That was the, those, that would, those were my deep thought thoughts on it. Right. I, I I think I at the time I wrote here five. I don't know if I actually hated it or not, but that's just what I gave it. So I'm sticking with it. I gave it a five. All right. Here's my deep thought on what I thought of the song. Please. This sounds like a cartoon saloon brawl, but it was fun. <laughs> seven out of ten. <laughs> you gave this seven out of ten, but not full in the rain. 
I don't think, well, falling in a rain just won't stop, and that pissed me off. <laughs> this didn't piss me off. That's fair. It earned its seven, and it was a fun cartoon-sounding brawl in a saloon of a song. It was pretty cartoony. I don't think, a lot of people say cartoony is an insult for a lot of things. I usually don't mean it like that. To me, cartoony is, I, I, I correlate that with endearing. I don't mean this as in genre specific music. It's just like I listen to this song and this is what mi- this is what it made me think. Yeah, man. Next is track five. It's the okay. Do you know how to pronounce this? It's Carousalambra, all one word. Don't make me look it up. So it has. I'm this- gonna go look it up. <laughs> so- <laughs> I had three six mafia like queued up to go find that banger of a song. Now I gotta look up Led Zeppelin. <laughs> what the fuck are you making me do over here? You know, if you would have told me that one day I'd hear 3-6 Mafia and Led Zeppelin send the same sentence, I would have been very skeptical. Oh, sorry. So. New metal rapping is, like, not my thing. That's why I gave them the hot or not a not, because I'm like, bro, I was with some fucking bumping rap bangers last night. 3-6 Mafia is very sa- underrated. Dude, they're actually pretty, like, they're the precursor of what's modern. They really are. I feel like they've gone and very... if you ask me what's modern, it'd be, like, some of the 3-6 Mafia freaking whatever area of, like, Memphis rap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that lady is trying to be mod- Dude. Oh, no. It's fucking Dana D- Dentata trying to fucking make noise right Dana now. Dana did today. All right. So, Carousalombra. So, Carousalombra. What the fuck is this goddamn name? <laughs> Dude, Zeppelin's on some shit sometimes. Yeah, they've written like three- This is what money happens to you, people. Yeah. But no, they're, they're cool people. Did you know that was- Did you know that back in the day, because they were like, they talked about Lord of the Rings and their songs, that was a big hit with the college kids, so they thought that was cool? Fucking nerds. All right. <laughs> so, Karis like, Alamba- I like the Lord of the Rings movies. But dude, the movies didn't exist then. Maybe that animated movie didn't. Are you 70s. sure the movie didn't exist? The animated one was that the seven? I thought that was the seventies. No, oh, we're talking about anime movie. Oh fuck, dude, that movie's fucking old. But no, the Peter Pretty Jackson. Violent. Yeah, it was. It was dark. My, I love my, the Peter Jackson movies. Yeah, I don't know if I would go fucking ham on the freaking books. Well, ex friend redacted really would always be like, oh, I read these, but I always, I always read these books once a year. The whole trilogy. No, the the quadrilogy because the hobbits. <laughs> you look very bemused. Okay. I am very bemused because I'm just thinking it's like, oh, so we got nerdy motherfucking assholes. That's the fucking thing about the Lord of the Rings fucking oh, fanbirds. fall out of my chair. Dude, they are some fucking pretentious assholes for some goddamn reason. Lord of the Rings marks? Yeah. Yes. A lot of them are. They're like... This must be some high level fucking like, dude. This is some high level fandom. Like, friggin', they're they're pulling some gatekeeper shit. I'm like, (laughs) I know you're gatekeeping me, but I don't want your shit. I don't fuck off. (laughs) I don't care. Oh man. All right, back to Led Zeppelin. (laughs) So yeah, Carol Salambra has this big beefy keyboard. This these are my notes exactly. Okay, has this big big beefy keyboard intro. Then suddenly it goes Huey Lewis. I think I liked it. It just threw me off at first. A lot of reverb on plant throughout the whole album, but especially this song. Also, it's very dancey. I don't want to call it pop because I don't think pop is something inherently negative. I just didn't want to call it pop. But you know what I mean? So like, oh, Led Zeppelin <laughs> being called pop. Don't be don't be acting that. You know what Zeppelin is. They're a I fucking do. pop band. But the thing is, yeah, they played hard rock. But I'm like, bro, you can go harder. But the thing is, is that people you can get, go harder. People really care about that discrepancy between calling something popular and saying it's pop. 
Yeah, but I don't give a fuck about the college rock fucking Lord of Rings nerds trying to tell me this shit. I know Zeppelin's a fucking pop band. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so, um, uh, da, 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 da. here we go. So at some point, it's like three and a half minutes in, right? I'm like, well, we're probably approaching the end, right? So I check the time. No, there's seven minutes left. This was a 10 minute song. And the breaks, the tempos are fine. There's changes and there's different. It kept my interest. I didn't hate it. But I'm like, fuck, man, this song didn't need to be 10 minutes. I gave the, I, w- I wanted to give this one a, a, a seven, but I ended up giving it a six because, like, it's too long. And, like, but I couldn't give it anything lower because I didn't hate it. But I'm like, I, literally, I'm just like, what are you doing, Zeppelin? So, yeah, that was that was my thoughts on that album a uh, song oh wait we're on song five yeah yeah i just gave my thoughts on five. okay i wrote down the sound like van halen's dad but the synth <laughs> re- <laughs> that's, i'm sorry that's, okay, that's really good yeah i wrote down this sound like van halen's dad but the synth riff was pretty tight and i thought it was a tight eight out of ten but it kept going <laughs> so i dropped it down to a seven out of ten even at ten minutes he still gave it a seven it was, I guess I really enjoyed the song. No, that's just it. It was a good song, but it, it was er- fucking long. It could have earned herself an eight, <laughs> but then it just decided to be a seven. You understand what she did, Zeppelin? <laughs> ten minutes of bullshit. Of good bullshit? Yeah. Because even good bullshit still bullshit. bullshit. Song, six is, song six is all of my love, but let me say the title in the way. All of my love. All of my love. Oh, another oh, radio punisher. This radio was always one of the worst ones. I didn't hate it as much as I used to as a kid, but this was my least favorite kind of Zeppelin radio punisher. It was a fucking boring one. At least this song was boring to me. Um, I was always more indifferent to it. I guess I don't love it. I don't hate it. Like I said, it's boring. It's just it's it's it exists, and I acknowledge this existence. It's a five. Yeah. Maybe a four if I'm in a bad mood, but Whatever. it's a five. We have another Radio Punisher with that synth top line going. I think I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a six out of ten. You know, I, was, I have seven out of ten on here. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know why I liked it. <laughs> I'm like, think of the chorus. I'm like, why did I like this? All of my love. Yeah, six out of ten. I think <laughs> I liked it, but then I'm like, maybe that chorus really pissed me off right now. <laughs> You reminded me, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. Why are you a 7 out of 10? I need up my standards. 6 out of 10. Slam that shit down. Yeah, we need we, we, we need to we need to make our first album review with scores uh, have some prestige to it. Uh, you know, I was reading some reviews for this album, and it seemed like quite a lot of folks at the time, uh, at least for the magazines, weren't really a fan of this record, and some fans too, because you know how it was, like, Eddie Trunk type people, they hear keyboards, and they're just like, sellouts and shit, that's what people thought Zeppelin went pop with this record, and I know you. it's what you just said. I just ranted this. <laughs> but no, I'm serious. You had P- you were always going to have those people, though, you know? I remember Hetfield one time from Metallica saying, oh, yeah, people were calling us sellouts since, like, Ride the Lightning when they heard acoustic guitars on Fire, Fire with Fire and Fade to Black. And I'm just like, you know, some people. <laughs> so, some song people. seven. Song seven is called I'm Gonna Crawl. Right here, it's a heavy, thick synth to open up this pit. It gives way to a ballad, a kind of very uninspired one. It sounded like their old, like, 
boring slow songs but now it has a synthesizer and I'll admit they do try some interesting things with like some of the drum stuff. Page has a solo, which was nice. It was a minimal solo, very David Gilmore, which is why I liked it. Um, and David Gilmore was also very blues inspired like page. It's all right. But man, you know, I'll tell you this. I wrote here in my notes. If we didn't have code next and this was the last Led Zeppelin album, and this was the thing that was going to tie up their legacy, I mean, I thought all the songs were fine. I gave this one a, another six, but honestly, it's kind of lame. All right, for song seven, I wrote down Dream Angel. <laughs> Dream Angel. This sounds like a song at the dance under the sea from Back to the Future. Right oh before Marty God. was like fading out of existence, before his dad got the confidence to go punch out the dude yeah. and get his woman. Yeah, the song was slow and kind of booty ass. Four out of ten. <laughs> You gave it a four out of ten. I was pretty. I was like, this song sucks. Oh man. Well, not suck. But a, a song purely bad would have just been a one. Yeah. A four um, out of ten's like it's a confident song, but I'm like, no. Just no. I'm huh? not being forgiving on this one. Okay, so I tallied up uh, my score right now, and. Um, out of a possible score of 70 because you know a 10 is the max and there's seven songs so out of a score of 70 this album i gave a 47 out of 70 i expect better from zeppelin which isn't saying much because i don't even really like them but you know what i actually wrote here in all caps it is better than presents Oh, dude, Presence was like, just like... That was some booty ass. That was some booty ass, and they were struggling. That was some booty ass. This, as, this had life. This was some booty... You felt some life. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you were waiting for a new Sig Zeppelin album, you got fucked. <laughs> yeah, you get fucked with Presence that has no soul, and then you get fucked with this one where the song quality is inconsistent, and, and Robert if you want Plant, the hard rocking freaking... Uh, you want your hard rocking Zeppelin, you got fucked and no. Yeah. Physical graffiti took it out of almost. Yeah, right it did. This is so. This is this is booty ass, but this is the kind of booty ass that even good friend Jake wouldn't eat. Whatever. I'm just gonna say this album's kind of a six out of ten. I shouldn't really say that. My mom listens to these podcasts. Well, that's your problem, not mine. And my mom is like, you need to pay attention to what you're saying. And my mom was like, I still remember when Jake and Dylan would come into Taco Bell and I would get them their drinks and food. And I was like, that's funny, mom. That's because. She said, yeah, Jake's still, I I think Jake's gotten taller. I'm like, he hasn't gotten taller. He just buys bigger shoes. (laughs) But yeah, so um, yeah, I'm glad this isn't the last Zeppelin because maybe Coda has chance to like end it on a good high now because actually that's kind of what Coda in music term refers to, like the ending of something. But it's, but apparently it's all just outtakes. So I'm kind of curious. Are these good outtakes? Are these bad outtakes? I went through the song listing. There's this one Zeppelin song that I actually kind of... Presence again? Oh, I fucking hope not. I, I hope didn't look to not. see when these songs came out. I just know there is actually one radio song we haven't heard yet that I heard on the radio often, but turns out it wasn't. Um, and I guess I just bring it up here before I forget. There's this song called Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? It was the... Hey, hey! It was the B-side to Immigrant Song. It's this kind of like acoustic song. My dad always liked it. Like, want to tell you about the girl I love. And I, I wanted to just point that out before I forget that that's not a half bad song. But yeah, overall, but yeah, this wasn't that great an album. All right, listeners. Time for the next segment. 
Let's talk about Dark Side of the Ring. Okay, do you remember? <laughs> you remember how at the beginning James was like, "Friends, we're gonna be have some ups and downs." Well, I was the up, he was the down. We talked about Zeppelin, which was kind of up and down, but now Dark Side of the Ring, it's up in quality. But bro, there's th- this is a lot. Okay, so it's a lot, isn't? There's a lot of. Small than for me. There's a lot of devil in the details on this shit. So us is writing notes. I'm like, this is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> oh well, Ed's the fuck. Usually the freaking like Edward's usually the leading host. So yeah, and I and I didn't get to watch it really because it comes out on Thursday and then um and then I used to check it out on Friday, but I was out somewhere and then I watched it today. Actually, I was like, oh, I could do it yesterday, but I just want to relax. My body's beat up. And then and then five minutes in, I'm like. Fuck, I should have watched it earlier because there was a lot of stuff. All right, let's kick this off. Dude, that was a fucking weird shit. My fucking phone was just like spazzing the fuck out. It was just like <laughs> vibrating like a motherfucker as it froze the fuck out. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Whatever. So I'm all good. Okay, so. Disregard my stupid shit. Steroids. How wrestling loved thee. Let me count the ways. Okay, so. So this is about the famous steroid trial for that WWE faced in the 90s. And if you all ain't aware... Well, it leads to that. Let me set up the stage a bit in two different ways. First, steroids were running rampant in wrestling in its peak years in the 80s and 90s. It was always there, but it was especially bad during that time for a multitude of reasons they cover, especially in the U.S., it was not only hella easy to access, but also the usage of it was encouraged and practically required by bookers and corporate folk in U.S. wrestling alike. And this e- episode detailed all the fucked up ways it went about. Because, like, there's playing and pain with the NFL, right? And all kinds of performance-enhancing drug accusations that happen through sports, especially in the 90s. I would go so far as to say professional wrestling's relationship with steroids is the, like, more iconic of the American sports and the most consistently lasting. Like, Because, like, when I think of old-school wrestling, the first two things I think of are drinking and steroids. And the second thing is, if you thought Dark Side of the Ring... vilified Vince McMahon before. Oh, buddy. They go to town on Vince McMahon in this episode. So after the intro, which sets everything up, we meet a very interesting man, Jerry McDevitt. And he is the fucking lawyer. He has been the the main lawyer for freaking WWE. Like, he's... This might have been what, like, the steroid stuff... Might have been like his first case with WWE, but yeah. dude, he was there to through Benoit and might be still there today. He, yeah, he said he's been there through Benoit, Owen Hart, and he's very dedicated to Vince McMahon. <clears throat> JR on. JR is only on for like three or four segments during this episode. But All JR's purpose is to say, if there is a lawyer that money yeah, can yeah. buy that can help you get out of anything, it is Jerry McDivitt. That's literally his whole thing. Every time he's on, he's just putting over what a Chad lawyer Jerry is. Then a man named Wade Kelleron, a wrestling magazine editor who was there during part the trial. Of the PWI. Yeah. Or the Pro Wrestling Torch. I think it's, wait, no. PWI, PWI is Pro Wrestling Insider. Or Illustrated. Oh, yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. yeah. So this is Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch. I think I could be wrong. Listeners, go freaking research if you care. Dave Meltzer on, and it was really abrupt because we talked about. Oh, boy, Dave. It was really abrupt because we went from Wade talking about Vince and. Uh, and then we cut to um, Dave Meltzer talking about Hulk Hogan 
And then we see Vince introducing Hulk Hogan. So Meltzer comes on saying how Vince, you know, wouldn't be as successful as he was without Hulk Hogan. And uh, oh, and he also just casually mentions in his intro that Meltzer has now been writing about wrestling for 50 years. Yep. Holy shit, Dave. Take a fucking nap. <laughs> Dave Meltzer doesn't sleep. Have you heard him on like his blogs with like him and Brian when it's WrestleMania weekend? And he's just casually like, uh, and, and, and Brian's like, Dave, how much sleep did you get? He's like, oh, I, um, you know, I, I got about maybe uh, two, three hours and then I was up the next morning and then we were just going to all the shows. I'm like, do you sleep? <laughs> Fuck me, dude. No. <laughs> yeah, but Meltzer, as you said, was there basically to scram the atmosphere of wrestling and of the 80s and their wrestling physiques and basically say, like, come on, we need yeah. to take it steroids. Yeah. And you see, everybody, Hulk Hogan was popular as fuck. And because of that, wrestlers kept getting bigger and bigger because they wanted to construct that Hulk Hogan kind of image. Big buff guys, you know, they they don't talk about him, but they show guys, you know, like... um. Um, what's the fuck is it like Rick Rude and shit? Just how they were just these massive, crazy. Well, if you want to talk about a massive motherfucker, well, after Dave Meltzer, we meet John Arezzi, and I'm like, damn, dude, who the fuck they? What fucking wrestling journalist did they not fucking get on this damn show? They got all the main ones. Yeah, they got John Arezzi, Way Keller, Dave, Dave Meltzer, Meltzer, and Phil Mushnick. So I'm like, fuck, dude, they got all the heavy hitters. But yeah, after Arezzi was introduced, then we meet the fucking present day warlord. Uh, dude, this guy oh, was a yeah. fucking shit. Like, this guy was massive. He's a shit brick house. Even like, no, in WWE, he was fucking massive. Oh, and yeah. all those motherfuckers are massive. They were. And they, and you know, I always heard it as a kid, but it takes on a whole new meaning now when you listen to the commentators back then. And they're like, look at the size of that guy. Oh, would you look at the size of him, Jesse? Look at the size of him, JR. Well, that was like evil McMahon voice, but still. So, yeah, he's on and he used to be Warlord. But then uh, John comes back on and he believes that 90 percent of wrestlers use steroids. I'm like, bro, it's basically 100. Dude, it was, I would say 90 percent. Not everyone was. using. No, no I, that's why I said basically. It's basically 100. 90 percent. And also and also narrator. And this is true. Narrator Jericho says the steroids back then were free or legal if prescribed by a doctor. Which is technically true even now, but it's it's different. Because like when my mom had neck surgery stuff, they prescribed her a steroid for that stuff. Um, and then they talk about George Zaharian. Oh boy, Zaharian, Zaharian, and Zaharian, Zaharian, Zaharian. And my first thought was, fucking course, it's Armenian. Zaharian, Jack Kevorkian. Why does the Armenian side of why, why does my Armenian heritage always have to be crooked doctors? Yep. So this guy, the, the, he's a doctor, but he's essentially their dealer. He was. Well, the, no, here's the thing. Peeps introduced John Zahorian, and he was the Pennsylvania commission, like fight commission doctor. So every time WWF yeah. came into town, he would be the doctor at the friggin' shows and stuff for like yeah. if someone needed a quick emergency, they needed to be checked to see if they're good to wrestle and all that stuff. But anyway, he was a huge WWF fan. Yeah, they even had him on TV a few times. And he would always have these like big this bag, this big bag he carried with him. And he would say and he would say, Anything you need, I have. And if not, I can get it. You know, Tylosol, Tylenol, Percocet, you name it. This fucker wheeled and dealed it. Yeah, so literally, as they like said on this show, 
he was basically giving the wrestlers their candy. And every time yeah. they get him to Pennsylvania, he would have a line out the door, out of his like office door of peeps buying steroids or whatever else drugs they needed. To that, get. And that was the key thing. It wasn't like NFL where in the locker room guys could just take it free form. No, they paid him. So then, this was great. Well, they like free form on pain pills. I don't know about the steroids on oh. the on the dark side of NFL. But continuing on with you, yeah. Next on was Iron Sheik's worst enemy, B. Brian Blair. He talks about how it was a competition to keep your spot and look good all the time, similar to the NFL. Narrator Jericho says how sports peeps were getting hella busted for the shit at the time in the 90s. You know, awards getting revoked, newspaper scandals. Yeah, because around thing. the 90s, the federal government started kind of cracking down on performance enhancers and for sure in professional sports. That's why, like, around this time. But with the WWF, kind of a weird gray line. Because it's like, mm, it's not really competitive. But, like, yeah. That's for sure. Like, the 90s government was cracking down yeah. on, like, the steroids. Well, one, as we will later get on, it was kind of lawless on, oh, like, steroid use. I think and the government was, and the fucking whatever, the health of whatever department of the government did not really set... Didn't really have any guidelines on fucking steroid use. No, exactly. Jerry even says that steroids were basically held to no true accountability compared to like other American made drugs. Well, that's actually, yeah, what McDivitt says here. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's not like today where you're where they are literally forced to tell people of the negative potential effects of their drug. Like steroids wasn't held to that. Yeah, no, like government and press were like vilifying steroids. But like McDivitt was, bro, this was some lawless shit going on with steroids. Oh, yeah. They like were vilifying it, but like. They never did anything about it. Yeah. We get footage of a drug saying that they, uh, I forget what year this happened, but the judge was basically saying that now steroids will be treated like cocaine and methamphetamines. Okay. So it's like kind of an illegal drug. Yeah. Or be charged that way through the federal government. And there's a guy named Billy Dunn who helped the feds nail- Well, William Dunn. William Dunn, yeah. Who helped the feds nail the good doctor in a Because he was a power lifter coach, and he most likely bought his supplies from Dr. Zahorian. Yeah, yeah. So then a fed tells a colleague about the- sh- about uh, Excuse me. <clears throat> then a fed tells a colleague about the shit with the steroids and how it ties to the WWF. So then Linda McMahon is like- Bruh, fuck Zahari, and we need to start being careful. And WWE reevaluates its whole, like, uh, uh, starts trying to be more careful. And then eventually the feds, the feds purge Zahorian's office. And apparently in that office exists a picture of him standing in between Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. All right. So let me give you a little insight that was not present in this documentary, but has been like said by Dave Meltzer multiple times. Sure. You have the fucking uh, you have your subscription to it. You can go listen to Dave Meltzer and Wade Keller talk about the steroid trials Mm -hmm. from a week ago. But around this time, Linda did get win, did get win that friggin Zahorian was getting cracked down by the feds. So she went and told like Vince and all that stuff. And Vince literally went and told Zahorian, you're getting cracked down by the feds. Delete and burn all records related to WWF wrestlers. And right as he got raided, he was caught in the middle burning the records. Right, He was like shredding that shit. And then boom, the feds were like running like at that exact moment too. So a little insight that the documentary didn't say. All right, continuing on with you. Because like all I got here is now that friggin' after Linda gets word and tells the company to distance itself from Zahorian. Now wrestlers are getting their FedEx packages getting raided. Yeah. That were coming from Zahorian. 
Yeah, and then because we did see this one dude on talking about how the feds nailed his house and like intercepted the packages. They knew what was in it. They and they knew where it was from. Then they went to like the full on mail center. They're like, <laughs> excuse me, yeah. And then they're they're talking to I think it was Billy uh, William. They're like, hey man, testify against George Zahorian. We're not. Gonna Are you sure that's not Brian Blair? No, I'm sorry, Brian Blair. Yeah, because Brian B- Blair was tapped to prosecute and testify against Zahorian. Yeah. And they're like, "Hey, man, if you testify against him, we won't prosecute you." And he's like, "Okay, sure, can't argue with that." As they also found packages from Zahorian being delivered to Hulk Hogan. Exactly. That's the big. Uh, that's the big crux of this whole thing. And we're because- gonna get some Primus in the background. So enjoy, listeners. <laughs> 69 spectacular you gotta have everything even the fucking band playing in the background there's a um fuck be- us <laughs> i swear because the uh the whole kogan thing was a big deal because back then hulk hogan was still like the big like big baby face of like pro wrestling in america so big hit with the children too so the idea of you know everyone's hero hulk hogan because keep in mind kayfabe's still alive they don't know about a lot of this stuff going on. The idea of Hulk Hogan like doing that, he's doing steroids, uh, that could have a very disastrous effect. And in fact, some people say... Well, disastrous effect on his public image. Yeah, and in fact, some people say it's stuff like that, uh, you know, after these trials ended, you know, Hulk Hogan, some of his popularity did tank, but it kind of carried over when he went to WCW years later. And part of that stuff, and granted, it was also a clash of styles, but a lot of the steroid stuff hurt people's public opinion on Hulk Hogan for a very long time. Nowadays, most people don't care. They're just like, ha, lol, Hulk Hogan. So, excuse me. So, yeah, the people back to the documentary, people filing the lawsuit had a raging hard on at the idea to get Hogan on trial because it would have made the uh, this whole thing an even bigger public deal. He, however, was not forced to be there at that initial trial, whereas other wrestlers were. Jerry said his tact. Uh, well, the reason why he, Hogan was able to be like freaking excused because McDivitt was able to push that Hogan and Zahorian had a patient doctor relationship and that was excused for yeah. medical privacy. That's what so that's why say, Hogan yeah. didn't show up. And then everyone was going like, why didn't Hogan show up? Like Ronald Reagan showed up to whenever he had to go do a court appearance and stuff. And McDivitt's like, well, maybe Reagan should have got a better lawyer. That was such a Chad line. Dude, this is McDivitt. He's a very compelling fucking character. I like I like this guy. This guy feels like he should have been on Dallas. <sighs> so then feel, uh, feel, Phil Mushnick like, on. Like, just to backtrack, like, dude, people like Piper were, like, showing up and testifying against Oh, Zahori. yeah, it was literally every big one except Hogan. Yes. It was all of them. Because they were able to get Hogan out. Yeah. Phil Mushnick on. He says, well, you know, if he was, um, because uh, Phil said, you know, uh, to backtrack a quick second, uh, Jerry says, you know, if Hogan got there, the parent, uh, the doctor patient thing, but also it could ruin his career. Phil Mushnick on saying, well, if he's taking drugs and yeah, it should ruin his career. And then Jerry said, someone called him and said, uh, that's when he said the Reagan thing. And then, um, now, so yeah, we fast forward a bit. Zahorian is guilty as fuck, but the WWE yeah, Zahorians went to jail, and this is separate from like another case with Vince McMahon. Yeah, they talk about two cases here. It's really and interesting. they both kind of like take off like the first half to show Zahorian, then the second half show is the Vince McMahon trial. But it's interesting about the Vince McMahon one because I didn't know this, but they said this here: the Vince McMahon trial is kind of separated into two different things. It's Vince McMahon on trial, and it's also WWF. Yeah, they did say that as like separate entities. So yeah, Zahorian's guilty, but WWF isn't let off the hook. Vince McMahon. 
McMahon had to go public and say the company was going to create drug testing procedures. <laughs> that took that, that doesn't happen to another like years later. And the same and it sadly doesn't happen to once the Chris Benoit incident. So there's a little bit of laughter on that. Yeah, and like a dark, sad. Well, here's light. the thing: they like started on like doing this freaking drug testing room around this time, as like ho- we should get a shot of Vince McMahon doing a press, like pr- like a freaking press, and like talking about this. Then we have Hogan go on Arsenio Hall. <laughs> oh man, you y- y- you laughed at the uh, you laughed at the whole. Because uh, there's the thing like we're told prior that Vince McMahon told Hulk Hogan to go on and tell the absolute truth, just let it out. But Hulk Hogan, this motherfucker, just would not. He goes on Arsenio Hall, and he's asked about the steroids and Dr. Zahorian, and he's like, yeah, I took steroids for medical rehab to, like, when I was, like, rehabbing an injury. And, like, everyone was like, that's bullshit. Like, literally, they take, they have the reactions of, like, all the journos, uh, the wrestling journalists, and they literally basically all just go, bruh. Bruh. And apparently, and according Hogan, to- bruh. And like Vince McMahon was supposed to just fucking piss. It's like, I told this motherfucker to spill the truth. This fucking freaking leather skin motherfucker. And now we get to the, and it doesn't stick around as long as I thought it would, but we get the iconic footage of Vince McMahon on the Phil Donahue show. Oh, you need to watch the Phil Donahue show with Vince McMahon. Fuck, dude. This now was like me, a public execution. Now, let me say something. I say it's iconic. Not for the fact that it happened, not for the testimonies. It's because on the Phil Donahue show, you get to see Dave Meltzer's 90s fucking mullet. Oh, we saw the Meltzer mullet. It was great. It's perfect. And then we saw Rezzy's sleazy New York shades <laughs> on the fucking show. Because like, cause like what they talk about the Donahue show, it was like Vince McMahon said something contradicting and Rezzy brings up. Friggin' that. Well, Rezzy just brings up that they caught hit like Vince McMahon saying a lie, and Dave Meltzer like friggin' also backs that up. It's like, yeah, no, you were telling me about this, and you just see Vince McMahon just staring daggers in the John Rezzy yeah. on the Donahue show, and I'm like, it's the greatest thing. You're just watching McMahon just getting verbally executed. Yeah, don't worry, he survives. It's funny. It's so surreal watching Vince McMahon interact with Dave Meltzer because Meltzer claims that he's spoken to Vince before and I, I'm not saying I don't believe him but this is the only time you've ever seen them in the same place together and it's just fucking wild man it's really weird Vince McMahon doesn't seem to hold Meltzer in the same amount of disdain as he does other journalists like that John guy oh you could tell he hated that guy that Phil Mushnick guy you could tell he hated him but Meltzer he always seems to kind of regard with like a weird like not in, almost an indifference you know what I mean so John so uh, after that happens we don't focus on this too long we cut to John saying he was living with his mom at the time and his mom received a visit from some scrupulous I think I used that word right gentlemen and they're like ma'am does John Azurey live here? Arezzi. Arezzi live here? She's like, yeah. And then they go, please tell your son that he lives in a dangerous neighborhood. And then they leave. <laughs> Jeffrey says, you know, these people say this stuff. They have such vivid imaginations. No one would care enough about a John Azurey to do that. Jerry, you said Jeffrey. I'm like, what the fuck? No, I said Jerry, didn't I? You said Jeffrey. So then he talks about how Mushnick was writing hit pieces uh, Jerry was Jerry 
Jerry was. Just say McDevitt. McDevitt was. Uh, That's a, a way easier name to say than like keeping up with Jerry. Because I'm like going Jerry, Jerry. No, just say McDevitt. Jerry. So McDevitt's talking about how Mushnick was writing hit pieces on WWF. That's what he calls them. And then we we kind of for a little bit for the rest of the show we kind of get back and forth between them. They're not actual back and forth, but they're like on the most polar opposite. They're ends like of this intercutting. Whole thing. We got Jerry McDevitt saying yeah. one thing, and then we have Phil Mushnick saying another thing. Phil at one Phil, Phil Mushnick at one point is like, man, that that McDevitt guy is straight out of a TV show. And then you know they're they're just trying to counter uh, contradict everyone's uh, points and whatever. Um, nothing really important to the plot happens until we get to the part where at one point WWF got like almost 40 subpoenas. Yep. Which kind of fucked them up. Um, and he says, uh, J- um, McDevitt asks, uh, Vince had asked him to defend him. Um, but Vince also kind of knew he was fucked because after the commercial break, they tell us Vince McMahon's preparing for the worst. Like sort of like Rob Black in the XPW thing, they were just like, you like, know yeah, what, he's man? He's preparing for the worst. Yeah, there's like, man, those like, for feds are coming, mu- dude. For 18 months, Vince is on constant surveillance. Yeah. As I said, do you, how many subpoenas? Almost, I think the exact number able, was 39. They were able to collect 39 subpoenas. Yeah, it's almost 40, but I believe it was 39. And and like freaking McDivick then talks about, I'm going to learn everything I can on steroids. Yeah. And this is where he like learns like the freaking like certain types of steroids mm-hmm. and then learns how the federal government isn't really on it, on regulating on steroids. That was the most interesting thing about this whole episode. Just the, they straight up almost just tell you point blank. Yeah, the government doesn't give a shit about steroids. Yeah. Except <laughs> the, the, except, shit. except when it came to like sports and stuff, they were vilifying people using it. But yeah. the federal government's like, eh. like, oh, we don't care. Okay, cool. Okay, cool, dude. Cool, dude. We said war on drugs, not performance enhancers. <laughs> yeah, come on. So WWE is getting lacerated in the news. Yeah, no, because like Phil Mushnick, like there's a point where like they kept saying that Phil Mushnick was an FBI informant. Yeah. And he's, he's like, literally like, Dude, I'm just reporting what I'm hearing, throwing it in my column, and the FBI is just taking that as information. That's what he said. He so said, I guess I could, I'm kind of an FBI informant. That's what he said. You know what? Yeah, I am. You know, I'm. I'm an. Inf- uh, he said, I guess I am one. I, I wrote it. They read it and acted on it. I guess I am an informant to them and to everyone that read my column. So, and then Vince had peeps looking into him for anything. Like, what did Vince McMahon have people like looking in the Phil Mushnick? Yeah, because um, <clears throat> Phil then said Phil says it. Like he believe, I, and I think this, I don't know if this is confirmed or not. Vince McMahon went to an agency that was entirely filled with ex FBI guys. And yeah, they followed Phil around. Phil says he actually met one of them and hang, like hung out and had drinks with him. And he's like, and he literally cracks a joke. Well, I smoked a lot of pot in college. He's like, end me, bro. End me, bro. And he's just like, dude, I'm just doing a job I got paid for. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was kind of Chad. So but then, then uh, sorry. Uh, you you, go. Okay. All right. Go! I'll let you. I'm away from the mic. So then another roadblock for Vincent K. His limo driver is deciding to go public saying he's going to testify against Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon had him make a delivery. A drug, specifically a steroid delivery to Hulk Hogan. And fucking... Oh, and by the way, the uh, and just, Jeff says... This guy's name's James, by the way. So cool. You've dated Rock of Love Ashley and you drove around Vince McMahon and made drug runs for him, the Hulk Hogan. Fucking hype, dude. GG. Alternate universe me. Ain't this the best? So Jeff says, um, well, the guy already had, because uh, they asked, why didn't they call uh, this James guy? 
you to testify. And he says, well, you know, he said uh, he went to take his deposit and he found him. He found him perjuring himself. I looked it up because I know what that meant. It means to render oneself guilty of swearing falsely or of willfully making a false statement under oath or solemn affiliation. So there you go. The show says they couldn't reach James or his affiliates for comments. James, I need to know. Yeah. Did Vince McMahon pay you hush money? Dude, this is an alternate universe me. <laughs> I don't know what friggin' uh, Ashley's titties fondling them are like. <laughs> that's a that's a question for alternate universe me. So, sorry. This universe me can't answer the, those questions. Maybe if I think hard enough and reach the deep subconscious of my mind and then able to get, like communicate to myself in another universe, I might be able to answer your question. But for now, I'm stuck podcasting. So uh, what was next? So now WWW. Okay. I, like, I'm, I'm right now, to... they literally were like, you had McDivick talking yeah. about WWE decided to change their talents around. Yeah. They felt like Hulk Hogan was old, so they went with smaller athletic talents. This which is, is ex- like, this bullshit. This is exactly what I wrote here because this is what the show conveyed to me. WWF at the time was like, well, fuck, we're going to have to move away from big, huge guys, and Hulk Hogan doesn't look good thin. So, hey, like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, y'all want to push? That's because they showed footage of them. So that was what they were conveying to me. Wait that's, a- what was, that's what McDavid was saying. But we're but the truth is that Vince McMahon was kind of stuck to what he had. And he's still trying to push big guys. Come on. Yokozuna. <laughs> Why the fuck did he care so fucking Giant much about Gonzalez. Yo- Giant Gonzalez. Uh, this is that era. Oh, yeah. But like, he pushed like, like bigger dudes. But... Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were very popular you know to the, the fun- WWF fans. You know what the funny thing is? People always mention Yokozuna and Giant Gonzalez, but those are just the well-known ones. There's so many, like, others. Yeah, come on. The fucking no natural disasters. <laughs> Typhoon and Earthquake, bro. Hey, those those are cool guys, okay? They're, they're, you ever see them in interviews and stuff or when, or when they were fucking around in WCW? They, they were nice guys. Just not that great in the ring. Oh, and then there's a public indictment. For the McMahons, saying that uh, Vince McMahon conspired or something. Uh, Jeff said, yeah, you know, now we're hype. Now I get to kick these guys' butts in court. So then, Yeah, well, like, what ba- what I got... Uh, where the fuck am I? Yeah, no, McDivitt and McMahon, they both go into a bar, and they get news on TV that he's indicted, and they can go to court and actually, like, friggin', like, face these charges on. And everyone in the fucking bar, supposedly, were cheering, going like, Yeah, Vinny, go take them down! You know what that... And I'm like, <laughs> oh, God. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of, like, that copypasta bullshit on, like, that subreddit r slash that happened, where you you'll always hear people like tell these stories um of like them talking back to someone and then people near them cheering the one i remember specifically was um was one i read about a lady in a grocery store and masks were involved somehow no 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 there was a little girl there and then um basically to sum it up real quick she t- uh, the little girl goes up to her and says happy holidays ma'am and the lady apparently looked at the girl and said, it's OK, you can you it's OK, you can say Merry Christmas because Donald Trump is saving Christmas. <laughs> and then she said, and everyone around me cheered. <laughs> That's what that reminded me of. <laughs> All right. <then. laughs> 
Okay, so oh, America, what's <laughs> full of silly people and a hodgepodge of cultures. So whatever. So John says it was like a circus. There was wrestling. Yeah, fans. this fucking trial was a circus because there were fucking wrestling fans all hanging out trying to cheer fucking Vince McMahon as he's going to court to defend himself. Yeah, there's journalists, there's insiders, and then Vince McMahon shows up in a neck brace. Although apparently he actually needed neck surgery. Well, that's what McDivitt says. Yeah, like free and Vince McMahon needed to like show up with the neck brace. The journalists. Go like this motherfucker showed up in a neck brace. It's like he literally watched some old television and watched some fucking show where someone had a neck brace to try to get sympathy, and he just went and got went and got one. I'm, no. I will believe that he needed neck surgery, and this was the time where he's going to be off TV because here's the thing: Vince McMahon was like the main commentator and did backstage interviews and stuff, yeah. so he was a pretty regular character on his own television show. Also, this was that. So I will give I will give McDivitt the explanation to be true enough, but it's pretty fucking hilarious that he showed up in a neck brace. <laughs> also, to note, our good our good man Uncle Dave Dave Meltzer actually wasn't there in the beginning. Like two, because he heard this. Like, dude, this sounds like a goofy fucking wrestling show. I'm good, but Wade Keller kept on telling him stuff, and it's like, okay, fine, I'll fly out and check out this trial. I'll just fly out and go check it out. That's funny. Well, but yeah, obviously he was reporting on it. Well, no, of course, like, he was course, reporting course. what he heard on the news and people telling him. But freaking, eventually he's like, okay, I guess I have to see the circus show myself. So now they got their witnesses to set to testify, including big fucking names like Ultimate Warrior. And then this is some like TV drama, like big brain bullshit. They bring in a lady named Laura to represent Vince McMahon personally, while Jeff represents WWE itself. It was a genius move from a strategic standpoint because now they could cross reference shit like what Hogan said. And, uh, and now they couldn't get Jeff off the case for whatever reasons. So Warlord's back on, and they asked him if it's true, because he had testified, if it's true that he didn't, pr- he said he never bought anything from Zahorian anyway, but Because yeah, asked- he says, like, dude, I honestly can get the same kind of stuff for, like, less the price. Zahorian's prices were pretty, like, created a little too much for me, so I was good. And they asked, did Vince ever push him to use steroids? I'm like, no, I was using steroids before I got into the company. Which is actually, I think, yeah, yeah, which leads into, yeah, a lot of the wrestlers, you know, it was kind of going nowhere. They're just like, hey, man, I mean, Vince never forced us. Because, like, Vince is being trialed as a drug dealer yeah. and also being, being say, he was forcing his wrestlers to use steroids. But this was all proving, no, we all wanted to use steroids. Yeah. Vince didn't Vince himself didn't sell us or make us use steroids. Yeah. But then we get one motherfucker show up. Oh my god. Fucking oh, uh, nails. Here comes nails. Okay, so our show doesn't really know much about him, but our group of friends, let me just summarize. Nails is a notoriously great wrestler. No, he's awful. Uh, from the early days of Monday Night Raw. In fact, his match against Giant Gonzalez in New Japan was actually Dave Meltzer's first six star match. No, it wasn't. I'm Ser- I'm well, serious. like a negative minus five star. <laughs> don't, don't just ignore it. Uh, but Sorry, yeah, our like intro, like our outro started playing as we're like we're pretty deep in the podcast. So fucking nails, Bossman, is a man. He's doing that because there's a band called Nails, and so no, that's his. Don't make me pull up nails. No, screaming. don't. Oh shit! I peaked the mic. No, don't please. So. Keep in mind, this guy wrestles in an orange jumpsuit. That's inter- That's important to know because he gets on. He's like, "Oh yeah, Vince came up to me and he said to uh, he said to take steroids." And they're like, "Do you have a personal vendetta against Vince McMahon?" He's like, "No." But then apparently, someone's like, "He doesn't know what that means." They're like, "Do you hate Vince McMahon?" He's like, "Yeah." 
It's like, okay. So they kind of threw that out of court. Time goes like, on. Like, literally, went, like, ah, oh, fuck. Because, like, they asked, do you have any animosity to him? And it was like, no. And then it was like, I don't think he knows what animosity means. It was animosity, okay. And it's like, do you hate Vince McMahon? And he's like, oh, yeah. And it's like, the fuck is this? <laughs> Way to waste the court's time, right? Oh, so man. that was the first beating in a long line of beatings. You're in my prison now, but I have thrown away the key. And then, do you think my other person is a lie or boss man? You're in my prison now, and I've thrown away the key. You're in my prison now, and I'm throwing the key. I'm gonna be honest. With, I'm gonna be honest. With you, that's the first time I've heard Nails' voice. I always heard Brian and Vinny roast it, and I thought, you know what? I don't need to hear that. So I went out of my way to avoid it. Except- and you broke my celibacy. Celibacy? No, I don't know the right word. <laughs> but you, you, you ruined my streak. So now. So Horian is actually brought up to testify against Vince McMahon. Yeah. This is an interesting shit because Jeff is able to acquire a letter. Jerry McDevitt. That's what I said, Jerry. Uh, You said Jeff. Jerry acquires a letter that was confiscated that um, uh, Zahorian had written to, I, I don't know if it was to him or Vince or whatever, but... It was talking about how he was handcuffed all the time with waist chains even, transported to various places over 44 days, and constantly questioned, and eventually it leads to them producing the audio of Bill from earlier and the good doctor, and then he's basically just like, okay, you know what, yeah, I did, but Vince knew and never told me to stop. He said what he did, and then, you know, doctor's like, what I did was not malicious. And then... This is the interesting part because I remember that la- I mentioned that lady uh, Laura earlier, a woman named Emily, who's a personal, Emily Feinberg, who is a personal assistant to Vince McMahon, <laughs> gets called up, and Meltzer's like she got up there and it was like she had ESP. She just knew how to answer every question because like they believed that she was uh, talked to prior to her freaking testimony. Uh, what do you call it? When testimony. You- testimony. And yeah, I guess there's like, Steve Meltzer says, she had total ESP. Now, because I think they also mentioned here that she like has seen Vince himself take the roids. But uh, yeah, they didn't get to unveil that. My God. So that Laura lady, right? Turns out her husband was someone masquerading as a journalist talking to all the other journalists like Mushnick and Meltzer. Mushnick specifically says that he called him and said he was from 60 Minutes. So he called his wife's cousin who works in television and was like, hey, I got a call from so-and-so. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, that's not a producer for 60 Minutes. He doesn't even work in television. And then he's like... What? Uh, yeah, see, this is the part where I got confused. I'm like, something about 60 minutes, what? Okay, so Laura's husband, it's implied Laura's husband called all these people, got their information, worked with Laura, who worked with Emily beforehand. So they based, so the idea and was. And they got all this information for Emily to learn down so that during cross examination, she had the right counterpoint answers to all their like questions. Exactly. Some Dallas shit, bro. Yeah, for realsies. So Jeff is, um, so so McDevitt is like, uh, you know, I like that guy. Her husband, his name's Mario. By the way, he called him Mister New York. I'm like, of course, McDevitt likes him. We then see footage. Oh, bro, we see footage of Vince cutting a promo. 
on the lies of the media and talking about how they're trying to slander Vince and his legal team. And then, um, and you see, there's this complicated thing. This is the part that kind of confused me at first, because now they're talking about, remember how earlier we said Vince was being represented as a separate entity from um, well, the company? They, yeah, because like the, they're, on the defendants, there was one Vince McMahon, just himself, and then, yeah, there was WWE. And I think McDevitt was uh, defending Vince? I couldn't tell. Because they had another person defending for WWF. But the reason why the shit was complicated was because... So, Zaharian sold drug steroids in Philadelphia, right? Well, the charges were placed in the Eastern District of New York. I think it was Rhode Island, specifically. So, then... And then Phil's just like, yeah, why the fuck did they do that? Why didn't they just go to Connecticut and then, uh, you know, to check Vince's receipts? And then McDevitt's like, yeah, so we took that apart because there's nothing there. And they threw the charge out. I think this was the charge about Vince McMahon specifically being a drug dealer. Yeah. And there was also a weird thing, too, that they try to bring up where, like, friggin' Zahorian had drugs delivered to some, like, venue. Could have been Madison Square Garden. Could have been like Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, they didn't say. But like literally, it was like the thing was like the date when those delivered to the venue were like four days out from when the show yeah, happened. Yeah. And it's like the show happened on Monday and these drugs were delivered on a Friday. And Melcher's like, that alibi doesn't line up. Throw yeah. this out. And then Meltzer was like, I don't know why that charge was even on there in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of this will seem like a fucking win. As like McDevitt says, a witch hunt against Vince McMahon. See, that's the thing. It's like, you know, on one hand, I'm like, okay, it's not really a witch hunt, but I'm watching this and like, you can tell Dark Side of the Ring, the only person that is not on Vince, the only person that is on Vince's side is McDevitt. Everyone else is clearly not. But the show, honestly, at some points kind of makes it look like maybe by accident, hey, these media guys just for whatever reason want to bring down Vince McMahon. Well, mostly Phil Mushnick. Mostly Phil Mushnick, yeah. Maybe a resi. Well, here's the thing. There was the Donahue shit. There was yeah. a little bit of that. But during for the Vince McMahon trial itself, it was sound like a fucking witch. That was witch. the thing about... Because here's the thing. They try to prosecute him as a drug dealer and him yeah. pushing drugs. But everyone, every wrestler that testified said no. He's not a drug dealer. He didn't push drugs. Sometimes we did the freaking steroids with them. Yeah. And and everything. Sometimes we were doing steroids even before we got into the WWF. And it's like, it was kind of a witch hunt. And then McDivitt's also going like, the federal government didn't really regulate on this. Yeah, exactly. So he's using that too. And it's like, come on. What's going on? It almost feels like it's more wrong place, wrong time for some reason. But I don't know. I think that's part of the reason why Meltzer didn't look like he wanted to kill Metzer compared now, to John and Here's Mushnick. the thing. Hulk Hogan finally, Hulk Hogan shows yeah. up for this trial. This is the other iconic part of the trial. Hulk Hogan shows up. So tell me about Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is basically like, you know what, man? I mean, you know, me and Vince, we were friends. And yeah, we shared roids, bro. We were gym buddies, but he wasn't a drug dealer. That's basically his whole testimony. There's other like things into it. But yes, that was that's what he said. He said, you know, we were gym buddies and sometimes we did steroids together. And yeah, that was about it. Melter actually thought that in hindsight, Hogan's testimony helped Vince. But apparently Vince hated it at the time. They asked McDevitt. Why? Yeah, because like fucking Vince and Hogan were had a pretty, uh, pretty strained relationship. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. And they asked McDevitt, hey, why didn't you have Vince testify? And his whole thing was like, well, what was he going to say? It's like, oh, okay. 
I mean, he went into some whole stuff about, but that was basically a scene. He's like, what could Vince say that hasn't already been said? No, it's fucking hilarious, too, because, like, Raz Hogan was, like, done, did the testimony, like, freaking not vilifying Vince. Oh, did that great picture of, like, the freaking court drawing of freaking, freaking skullet Hogan and <laughs> neck brace McMahon. Yeah, these, like cartoon, These, like, cartoon freaking drawings. I'm like, oh, this is the best shit. But the funny is, like, Hogan does this freaking testimony, and he just goes outside. He's wearing his black bandana, his big oversized size shades and I he's like this. hey brother make sure to order the pay-per-view this weekend and he's like <laughs> he like he was promoting a wcw pay-per-view at vince mcmahon's slash wws freaking trial okay i'm being completely serious that was pretty big pp of him that was pretty great hogan has some big pp energy sometimes <laughs> see it's almost like this where i could just unironically i was like you know what? sometimes sometimes man sometimes i just fucking love hulk hogan so yeah, after hogan's like freaking testimony i think this is the point where like the freaking case starts cl- like wrapping up yeah and then now we we're have, on like, sean o'shane's closing argument yes which wasn't really an argument he was just cutting a promo just saying how much of a shitty person he cut a promo he was trying to be like vince has no respect for wrestling which is um and then dave Meltzer said Dave Meltzer said that well Dave Meltzer said he's kind of promo but then but, there's oh, I wanted the Dave Meltzer voice yeah he's like um, yeah he got on there saying you know he's a corporate drug dealer talk about the hundreds of millions he made he he basically cut a wrestling promo he basically or a cut fucking a re- closing statement to wrap up to try to prosecute this man no but well okay a closing statement is basically a promo but they're supposed to be they're supposed to be calm they're supposed yeah you know, they're supposed to, you know, summarize the facts, hey, giving the juries, giving the jury the, re- the freaking reason why to prosecute them. Hey, man. Have Instead, you ever... he was just cutting a promo. I was like, he's a piece of shit. Hey, man. Prosecute you ever... him. And he's like, these aren't factual. You're being dumb. Say, so, hey, man, you ever seen To Kill a Mockingbird with James Iron as Adam F- as Atticus Finch, where he delivers his closing argument in the courtroom? That's what you're supposed to do. This dude was going, this dude, yeah, he was cutting a promo. Um, oh, there was there was one thing where he said he said Vince treats wrestlers like slabs of meat. And then uh, McDevitt recalls seeing Stephanie cry in the uh, room outside, and he and he starts to tear up too. Remember, it's comforting her, and then he's telling her he's like, "Hey, don't worry, they haven't heard me yet. This is all steak, no sizzle." Or he said something like that. So McDevitt's closing statement. Okay, so this is interesting. They don't even really talk about his closing statement, but what they do talk about is he found out about something called Anavar, a drug not safe for human consumption as as said so by the FDA. But the FDA didn't get rid of it. Yeah, and there was a memo saying to get rid of it, and it didn't, and boom, that was their out. Jeff painted it as the government. Jeff's whole idea for the closing- Jerry. Close, that's what I said, Jerry. Was, do I need to rewind? I need to listen to the Primus. All right, so McDevitt. so yeah, McDevitt's whole closing argument is basically painting it out like the government is trying to witch hunt this family business, which we've said a few times already. But that was what he leaned in on, and then also friggin said that the friggin FDA just were not on it with the steroids. Well, yeah, like they're trying to prosecute, but then themselves don't really have any grounds of like to really make any like friggin like. So any good reasons to prosecute if they're not because it's pretty like open and lawless yeah and like all this stuff on Vince McMahon kind of a fucking witch witch hunt he's not a drug dealer it's kind of funny McDevitt's such a Chad lawyer he like in a way unearthed a government conspiracy (laughs) so back from break 
McDevitt says how the case was hard on the family, and he talked about how he didn't call a witness to defend Vince during his closing argument. Um, he didn't need to. Yeah, that was his whole thing, which he said obviously could backfire, uh, but it didn't. He says they made um, uh, um, they saw Vince as being not guilty of his separate charges. Which uh, Dave Meltzer said that like McDevitt was kind of sweating for like when like the freaking uh the verdict came in he's like oh shit oh shit oh shit but then Meltzer was like oh bro dude they don't have anything you're yeah. good and he's like <sighs> but yeah and then like freaking once the verdict comes in and Vince and WWF are off the hook freaking you just get like a you get a freaking like the drawing picture of freaking Linda Jerry McDivitt and Vince McMahon all hugging in the courtroom oh yeah and this is <laughs> This was like weirdly like cinematic but sinister too. They had this like epic piano soundtrack on as they talk about how Vince got away and there was almost no punishment for what he did. Um, and then McDevitt remembers drinking cocktails with Vince and how um, he cracked the joke saying, hey, you know, Vince, you could probably take that neck brace off now. <laughs> so Vince McMahon took off the fucking neck brace and swung it around going, woo! And then uh, put it back on. And then he put it back on. Yeah, we don't know if Vince McMahon was faking the neck brace, but like it was a work. If we were going off what the facts was presented to us and what I've like heard from the journalists, it seemed like Vince McMahon. This was kind of a dumb witch hunt a trial. I thought this yeah. was a bit of some sketchy thing. It's like, oh, they're trying to crack down and like take this dude down, but I'm realize. The information they were using to try to take this dude down was kind of bullshit. It was pretty dumb. Like, Zahorian? Yeah, no, he's guilty. Oh, he's super yeah, yeah, guilty. Yeah. Like, he was abusing his freaking medical profession and stuff and to, like, you know, freaking have a side hustle selling illegal steroids. And then the show but based... Vince McMahon oh. himself is being a business owner and, like, what his wrestlers do, because they're not a real fucking sport. <laughs> they kind of didn't give a fuck. Oh, wrestling's a sport. And a lot of the dudes, not a real sport. Like, it's an athletic endeavor, but I wouldn't call WWF a sport. Sport presentation, yes. But, as I said, like, if you ask my opinion on steroids, now there are some fucked up ones that will fuck you up, but steroids is not one of the sketchiest drugs you can take. That was There the are things, though, like, abuse of steroids can fuck you up, and if you aren't taking also stuff to counterbalance it, can go awry. But usually dudes that practice steroids, like... They're usually, I've heard from like practitioners of steroids, it's not a deadly drug. Not a lot of people are going in the hospital. It don't fuck you up like a meth. Yeah. Or fucking heroin. That was the interesting thing about this, looking at it from a, from a hindsight perspective, is that uh, the government like went from not caring at all about it to trying to be like, oh yeah, it's just as bad as all these other things. I don't know. It was it was like it was like the government got their secret media influencers together and they're like, okay guys, we need to drum up something to get the American people behind. Uh uh steroids. There we go. They like they picked it out of the hat. That's what it felt like. Cause the steroid thing, it came and then it went. I mean, yeah, it gets brought up every now and, and see, then but no one really gives a fuck about yeah, steroids anymore. Yeah, see that's around the nineteen nineties. Now they do drug tests on that and they don't want you using performance enhancers because us as a culture want Want you to be a naturally gifted person, right? And so there are none of that bullshit. Now, obviously, like one of the first times of like freaking people wanting to use steroids, I remember it was like possibly around the late fifties or nineteen sixties Olympics, where the Russians were fucking wrecking house, but they found out they were using performance enhancing like right, drugs right. and stuff too. So yeah, it's hard to say there are dangerous steroids. I'm sure Anavar is a fucked up one, but there's also steroids that are pretty safe to use. 
and bring in the in like the right amount of quantities. And yeah. also, you usually have to take other counter drugs because sometimes you're injecting a lot of fucking testosterone in your body. That's really too. what it, I and mean, that's not what it all is, but that's what it that's like what its main like compound is. It's crazy. So yeah, McDivitt finishes off the episode talking about how he has a friggin' unbreakable bond. That's what he says with yeah. Vince McMahon. And yeah, that's it. It's interesting as hell, dude. You know, there's one thing about this. There's a couple of like talking points that stuck out of me to this. One of them being like, it was about his whole thing about the whole family business bit. So like we grew up obviously where like WWE like was a corporation, right? But it genuinely like anything else did start out with the whole family grassroots business thing. So like, I don't know. When do you think they made the jump from company to corporation? I feel like it really kicked into effect maybe around the year 2000. You Maybe mean, 2001. You mean, well, they went public in 2000, 2001 because they were making so much money. Then themselves became a public company and went on the on like the stock market. That for sure. Well, that's when they literally became a corporation. But yeah. when I think of like them as a corporate, corporate corporation, I honestly feel like that's been them for the last like six, seven years. No, longer. They've always been like that. Well, well, they've, like, well, no, because like, feeling when they went public, it's always felt like that. Well, because like, yeah, right now, if you want to talk about the, how like WWE and like all of them are like freaking keep releasing wrestlers and stuff, all in the theory that like freaking WWE is setting itself up to sell the company and get away from McMahon so they can freaking rightfully retire. Because yeah, you can like counterpoint about the freaking TV ratings and the popularity isn't the best. But through the TV rights deals that they've made and them cutting down on wrestlers, they're trying to make it where they can sell the company off. And it seems like, oh, hey, this is a profitable company if someone has money that they want to buy and take it over. So that is what they're doing? That's only speculation. That's not fact. Fact will happen when they actually sell the company. Right. That's the only way we'll know for truly. But those are some speculations. And if, like, you wanted to put all the details together. Well, the reason why I ask that is because, like, what WWE is now is clearly what Vince has always wanted WWE. He wanted it to be a big corporate corporation. But it it feels like they didn't really. I think the thing is, like, Vince McMahon is is doing the American dream where you want to make a successful business and push it as far as you want. He is anything. He is the son of Irish immigrants. And once you have a successful business, you know you have a successful business was when you can sell it off yeah. at a high profit. He is and you can uh, like ride off into the sunset. He is a uh, you know, he is the son of Irish immigrants, so makes sense. But yeah, that's Dark Side of the Ring. Good fucking episode. Good season. This was a good season. I'm trying to think of any like week episodes, which I can't really think of it. Like it kind of split into two parts, but a lot of it was pretty good. I'm trying to remember if there was any episodes I didn't care for. Solomon was pretty good. Like Luna Vachon was pretty bummers. Even K- Johnny K9 was good. I I like that episode. I know, I'm like trying to think of the weaker episodes. XPW I thought I wouldn't give a fuck about, but I'm like <laughs> I'm like Crazy Porno Man tries to take on federal government will never not be entertaining. Like come on, fucking guys, new Jack there. come on guys, this is for my freedom of expression. We're the federal government, we don't give a fuck. Quit <laughs> Selling shit like fossil fuckers to the public. Fuck your freedom. We're the government. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that I don't like freaking the federal government crack you down. But when you're raw black, you're just kind of like, yeah, kind of kind of go you. fuck yourself. Yeah, hey guy, go fuck yourself. Hey guy, you work for a microwave company? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I know. I guess XPW is trying to like get itself back together. Oh, I am keeping all my eyes on that, bro. I just I, know, I just watched the video of like raw black. As he's just sitting there as like XPW in a world of these woke people. <laughs> We're coming back, trying to like freaking be the anti-woke, anti-PC bullshit. We're here to freaking freedom express because we're XPW. And I'm just like, 
Okay, guys. Cringe. All right, listeners. I need to take a break. Okay. Because my voice. But don't worry. We're going to finally wrap up Rock of Love. Yeah, boy. All right, listeners. We're finally here. The fucking finish line. Because we're not here just to talk about the final episode of season three of Rock of Love. Or of Rock of Love, i.e. Rock of Love bus. We're also going to be talking about the motherfucking reunion. We're going to get this fucking shit done. And sorry, listeners, if we were pretty informative talking about Dark Side of Ring and all information. Now I can see some people, unless you like information, I wouldn't say we could be the most exciting, ecstatic characters. But, but, oh, it's fucking time. Talk about this fucking fake hair, tiny penis, fucking small pee energy of a man, rock star, Brett Michaels. How many people do you think are going to stop listening to us now that we're done with Brett Michaels? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> How about that? Hey, listen, we've we've gone through a lot Shut of- Shut the fuck up, phone. <laughs> we've gone through a lot of stuff on this show, you know, for the last 69 episodes. You know, we've, we've talked about metal. We've talked about music other music i mean we talked about brett michaels and movies we talked about attack on titan football wrestling but it all it all it all it all comes back to one man it all comes back to one show and we close the circle we can almost end the podcast after this episode the spectacular 69 but we're not going to no, we'll no. go back to normal yeah not after our action pack episode it's too heavy yeah I can't handle it. I didn't even get a fucking timestamp. But all right. Wait. Hold it. 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 I think I might have fucked up a little bit. Yo, yo. It's I might have fucked up. God fucking damn it. Deep. Are you okay? No, I'm fucking not. All right. You heard my disasters. You think I have the right to be not okay a little bit. I got pushed around a lot. And had to pay a lot of money. Oh, you did that too. Well, listen, I was very inconvenient. You know what? Why don't you? Uh, why don't you take us through Rock of Love? That's fucking right. <laughs> so while well, the season kind of sucked, and we had that, but like freaking. All right, let me. Uh, I hate when I fuck up. Let me rewind. Well, the season kind of sucked, but we're now down to our two final ladies. We have the one, Mindy, an aggro girl next door who gets in some fucking funks and cannot handle Brett's bullshit sometimes. Some fucky, fucky, funky funks. Yeah, some funky, fuckery I meant to say funky, funky fuck. Fuck! And then we have the penthouse model with the weird drawn eyebrows that is kind of a mystery and does not admit that she's a stripper and she does not really open up. Great two final two great two final ladies. Yeah. Now Edward. Yeah. I you're know. pretty fucked. <laughs> when I contacted you today, yeah. I'm like, this is the 69 spectacular. You're not just gonna sing the theme. You're gonna go where I'm gonna go. Stop the podcast for a second. Get the fucking ox cable hooked up again so that we, and by we, I will play that song, Go That Far, by the Brett Michaels Band, as you will karaoke that song. I don't know if you have lyrics ready for it. I have the lyrics. But Because I care about this, this job. This is a 69 Spectacular. I care about this job, right, and that's so the problem. Let me, that's the problem. I love too much. I don't know. Do you want to rant on your love or do you want me to take a quick pause and like get the fucking ox set up? Nah, it wouldn't be that funny. Just pause it. All right. Let's do this. All right, Edward. For the 
the possibly the last time, unless there's another thing we're reviewing that has a theme song, sing the theme. <sighs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we promised you a great main event tonight. And now, Edward Munoz for the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show National Anthem. Fuck. <laughs> that is fucked up. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Let's go. Please let me introduce myself. I'm gonna get you off like there's no one else. Hey, won't you step inside my brain? I'm your freak show, baby. I'm your crazy. These lyrics are stupid. Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood Hills. Pretty kitties. Oh, wait, you know you didn't say it. Alright, you made it through a minute. You got another minute and 52 seconds. At least this is the part that I actually rem- these are the lyrics I actually remember. Oh, so you can actually sing with passion. Show you things you've never seen Touch my backstage pass Ride my limousine Please let me be your Flesh and blood Your dirty secret Your lack of love Sunset Is it wrong that that second verse made me nostalgic For the old seasons? Like, is Sing that, the song! Back in black and I'm dressed to kill I'll be your sugar daddy, I'll be your diamond rings You'll be my dirty secret, you'll be my sexy thing I'll take you platinum, baby, I'll be your rock star I'll get you higher, baby, if you wanna go that far uh, uh, Put your hands in the air! that glorious no well, i will listen why'd you make to, me do that uh i can't wait to listen no back no one's to that. gonna like that <laughs> not my problem <laughs> it, well it kind of is but i don't know I you're gonna to listen no i guarantee you hey james when you're listening to this in post i bet you're gonna listen to that and be like fuck why'd i have ever do that <laughs> i might i don't know i might throw some delay on your vocals no, don't put production on it. Yeah, I'm always like, oh, maybe you should edit this. Maybe you should cut that. You're like, fuck that. The only time you ever edited anything for this podcast was sometimes was uh, one time you you omitted someone's name and you were like, why'd you make us really do that? I don't like to post edit my podcast. Well, we open up with the regular fuck. Mindy and going and Taya. Oh, fuck. 
I fucked up my own shit. We open up with Mindy and Tay in the bathroom, and you just got Mindy going like, oh, look at you, Tay. You're all pretty and stuff. And Taya's like, oh, my hair is like a, a horse's mane right now. It's such a mess. And I'm just like, dude, fuck me. <laughs> Mindy feels that Taya is the picture-perfect Brett Michaels girl. I say nay. I unironically genuinely think the ideals Brett Michaels girls like Farrah, Heather, or Ashley. So Brett appears. Yeah. Oh, and, and they have a fat what what were you gonna say? Someone in the YouTube comments for this video also said that Mindy sounds like Sandy Cheeks, and I can't unhear it now. Well, fucking Sandy Cheeks and Taya are visited by Brett Michaels, and yeah. he brings in, he is magically is able to have a platter of freaking sick breakfast food to have an awesome breakfast, because they're the final two, so I they mean, might as well get a good freaking munchins in before they go off to wherever. I think Brett likes doing the show for the free catering. But Dude, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, who wouldn't? So Brett asks me, so this is his idea of, of a good The only good person I- that wins on the show... Is Brett. 80% of the time is Brett Michaels. You know, Big John, too. I think he just sits back and laughs at his friend's stupid bullshit. So, Brett's great idea is he asks Mindy, listen, if I choose Taya, tell me, why is that the wrong decision? And Sandy, I'm sorry, Mindy says, the best parts of me uh, just keep coming and coming. And then Brett's like, both physically or emotionally. Ha ha. Ha ha. That's literally what I wrote. I wrote, ha ha, ha ha, ha. Taya responds with, um, you know, I don't pretend to be perfect. I mean, when Mindy gets ready, she puts on like four or five different outfits. But this was the first thing I threw on. And Mindy's like, because you were up all night playing it while I slept. And I'm just like, man, this dialogue sucks. Yeah, no, it's pretty fucking atrocious. So Brett says, if you're going to have a cat fight, I brought some butter for you to rub on your breasts. Yeah, he's just starting to talk. I was like, hey, you want to start rubbing butter on your boobs? Ha ha ha. I'm now like, listen, my this first- is the final time. Listen, final my- fucking time. Now listen, ha, ha, ha. my thought when I heard that was, listen, Brett, I know it's the finale. I know you've been phoning it in for those, for most of the season. And I get it. Your cast has sucked. But listen, he always tries to have some kind of charm to him. I'm just like, bro, just like, why? It's, why'd you stop trying? <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't know why he stopped trying. So Brett says they're going to go on a private jet to the Dominican Republic on a private island. So they get on the fucking jet or whatever. And Brett's just like, are you sure we can't all love each other? Because I've got a lot of love to give. And I wrote here, huh? Brett Michael says, Polly writes, bruh. So they land. Well, I thought Brett also says like, oh, why aren't we wearing bikinis on the plane? What's going on? They oh, yeah, land and the ladies are wearing bikini tops. So I guess Brett was able to magically convince them to switch out their tops on the private plane. As they flow, fly, bah, to the Dominican Republic. I don't know the right words. I don't speak English as well. This is why I have good host Edward leading the fucking shit. Isn't English your first language? Yeah, but I'm pretty horrible <laughs> at it. So yeah, they land and they get in their transportation. It's a nice limo or whatever. Brett's sitting between them. Taya puts over how cool the island is. They go to this romantic hotel named Paradisios Poltacanta. I just wrote the Dominican Republic looks so chill right now. Like not gonna lie, chilling on the beach. Dude, doesn't it sounds like a, such a vibe right I there? I don't mean to sound like a, a privileged one percenter, but bro, a tropical island away from all the bullshit. I'm not gonna lie, that sounds pretty steep. So dancers and Nelson, the hotel host, takes the ladies to their room. Yeah, I, I wrote here. There wasn't really much. You just got yeah. some like six salsa dancers. You got Nelson. 
He'd just be chilling. Yeah, I just wrote here. They have local dancers and musicians making an easy paycheck on the white tourists. The maitre d shows the ladies to their rooms. And I'm going to be honest. The rooms are really fucking nice. I wrote here. Rich people have nice shit. They find a VH1 note. one has money to make them get <laughs> nice shit for like the people that did that like suck the least for the show. We're sucked the most. <laughs> the ladies don't really win here. They Only find Brett a, wins. Yeah. Tay, they find a note and it says Mindy gets a date tonight. Brett gets a date with Tay. Tay gets a date with Brett tomorrow. They walk around the room. They're looking at stuff. There's not a lot happening. And then Brett left uh, Mindy an outfit to wear. It's this pink dress. And then Tay gets in this jail, this jealous state of mind. And Mindy writes down because Mindy has a hard time communicating to Brett, which they sort of established last episode. She keeps freezing up. Um, and so she writes down on like a notepad things she wants to say to Brett. <clears throat> right. So Brett says, and then she goes to see Brett. Brett says his idea for the date is he's going to take Minnie on a super romantic date, which is just to a table to eat dinner. And I'm like, cool, dude. So they talk. Oh, damn it. You fucking, I missed it. What? I was about to say, cause like you're just like takes her out on a date. I'm like, oh shit, I missed it, dude. Fucking, cause like, you know, you said Taya's just in the funk. It's like, I'm getting a funk. Yeah. I'm like, I'm such funk right now. And I'm like, Wow, you could really fool me. Because she's also like going like, oh, Mindy, you bitch. And then like as they're leaving, they're like, they're throwing the friendliest shade. Like, bro, if you watch the other two season finales, that's yeah. some fucking hatred being, that's some venom. There's usually venom being spit Daisy between and, the ladies. Daisy and Amber were like full on like ready to fight each other. Yeah. And like Heather and Jess stripped and like each other. I forgot. To, we uh, got here is like I hate you. Well, I hate you more. See, I what is this? See, I noticed that. It felt like they were fucking around. Like, like, did you hear the way Taya said "you bitch"? She didn't say it like "you, you bitch." <laughs> you bitch. She just went "you." That's literally like if we were in a room hanging out and you're just like, "Oh, hey, Edward, check it out. I, uh, I, I, I got the new Metallica. I'm just coming out yesterday. Did you get it?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Yeah, rules." And I'm like, ah, "You bitch. You bitch." So yeah, now they have a sick poolside dinner date and Brett ogles Mindy's dress as it's actually shorter than he thought it was. So yeah. it was like, ha, huh, legs for days. So <laughs> Brett likey. Hi-o. Hi-o. Actually, he didn't do a go hi-o. Yeah. So Brett, uh, so they talk. Brett feels like Mindy doesn't always verbalize how she feels. And then Brett asks, what are you thinking about? And the way that they edited the show, she says nothing. And she she's kind of freezing up. It's kind of a hot last romantic moment. And she's like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to say. And she wants to bring out the list, but she can't figure out how to bring it up. So oof. And this goes on for like, a. I think I tried to count. It goes on for like a solid minute or two. Finale, guys. It's and awkward as shit. Yeah. And unlike Brett making her feel comfortable to open up, he is just like, come on, spit it out. Spit it out. Come on. If you got something to say, say it. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, you're really making her feel comfortable. And it's just like, man, I'm getting Britannia flashbacks right now. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He wasn't that aggro, but that is basically what he, those were the words that he he used for her. It's pretty aggro. But don't worry, guys. Brett has a plan B. They're going to go dance the tango. I hear it takes two to do that. The dance instructor gives them, you know, the basic ass, you know, moving in tandem to enhance the connection and takes two peoples with blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that stuff isn't like legit. Could, like but. Mindy couldn't hear the, the dance instructor's freaking thick accent. But Brett, for some reason, like, I figured it out. I got it. Hot communication. For some reason, this line was funny to me. Mindy said something to the effect of, I never would have assumed, you know, I would never would have thought Brett the cowboy 
Brett the cowboy hat wearing rock star would ever want to learn the tango. I found that. Maybe it could have fooled me. I really found that sentence funny. But here's the thing. Brett's a pretty open dude. Yeah. I won't won't deny this. Brett's down to try some shit. Yeah. Especially on VH1's money. Well, when you have fuck off money and you have a company that has fuck off money, you kind of feel like fucking off and trying shit. Yeah. So Mindy's trying to learn how to do it. She's messing up. But since this isn't, as she notes, this isn't a challenge. So she's just having fun. They do basic first timer tango. They do the classic like thing where he dips her and they kiss. I'm like, it was wholesome. They don't kiss. Yes, they fucking smash face. They smooch hard. And then Brett's like, ah, right, let's take this out. And they go for a hot, sexy walk on the beach. Yeah, they go on the beach and overlook the water. I mean, he says, it's like something in a romance novel. I'm like, bro, I've read modern romance novels. There's no cuddling anymore. It's just fucking. It's like, bro, you ever read Punk 57? I don't read no romance novels. You usually just get me books that are like biographies. Yeah, I know. Shout, I know. shout out to my romance oh, book yeah. nerds, Jenna and Berean. Oh yeah. If you ever want on my birthday on my birthday or Christmas wish, if you want me, if you want to get me the Mox book, I'll take that. Dude, it's fucking nice. I, I have the book. I've read through it. It's uh, not all of it, but I'm reading through it at work. Uh, well, you can always work. give that to me, or you can just give me the secondhand book that you got. It's really good, honestly. I, I will like accept it. It's just called Mox. Oh, yeah, he's in rehab now. We didn't get a chance to talk about that together, but he's in rehab now. Yeah, we got to talk about Brett Michaels. We're like an, we're now two hours and pro, we're going two hours no, and 15 I know, minutes. I know, I know. So Mindy says romance novel, blah, blah, blah. And now Mindy finds this the perfect time to read the notes from her list. She's telling him stuff and he's receptive. He's like, man, I wish I said he's literally like, man, I wish she said this like 10 weeks ago. So they go back to the hotel and totally bone you guys. Oh, dude, friggin'. Yeah, after Mindy whips out the list, I dude, what did what did she say on the list? Just I'm sorry, bu- just a whole bunch of stuff about you know how much he means to him, how much she's fallen for him, and how much their time together means to to him. I, I say it like that because she quick did- question that kind of basically says she's in love with him, right? Yes. Without saying she's in love. No, I know we were going with that, and yeah, Brett is zero for three on that. We'll get to that specifically later. Remember that, listeners. Tarantino, this <laughs> bullshit. But yeah, they go back to his room. Yeah. They totally boned you they guys. They totally boned you guys. Totally boned you guys. Fucking Brett winning. hi He took her down to Ohio. <laughs> I still think that's the best line he's ever said. No. Taj Mahayo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is... Is that bad that Brett's been the best part of this season? Because he really has. Yeah. Maybe the Blondtourage. But the Blondtourage at times were like, you're kind of just really mean and not They were likeable. just annoying. Yeah. You guys were mean and not really cool on that. That's kind of not likable people. Yeah. But like, unless you just like watching Walking Disasters, <laughs> the Blondtourage are your people. Yeah, yeah. Believe me. I think the Blondtourage are super entertaining but they sound like disasters, and I don't know if I want to hang around with them. Weird thing is, I don't know if Farrah has kids, but apparently Ashley has a husband. Farrah has a husband. No, no what? Do you have that flip, dude? Ashley has a kid. No, I know Ashley. I said Farrah. I said I know. I said oh, I think I said, Farrah, I know, Farrah does have kids. Well, you know what? They have families. They're best friends, and I'm going to be honest. They're best friends, and they send each other's husbands dick pics. I'm going to just throw this out there right now. They've probably had a foursome. Hey, you stupid bitch! Look at my husband's dick. Those two specifically have probably like 
though, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure before they settle down, those two have partied together. All right, so let's get away from the crazy Vegas stripper yeah. Chad freaking partiers. We'll to- come back to them later. Taya's chilling in the bathroom and has herself a relaxing bath. Or she would have, but the bathroom just fucking explodes. Yeah, I do. She's like trying to learn some fucking state of the art fucking bathtub where it's like spraying backwards at her. Yeah, I'm like, what is this French bathroom bullshit? Yeah, what's this fucking hot tub bathtub? What's that shit that they have in bathrooms where the water sprays up and cleans your butt? Oh, you mean a bidet? Yeah, was that was this bidet shit? That's what that looked like. Oh, dude, I got a bidet. It's like the best shit. You save so much money on paper t- on fucking toilet paper. <laughs> Next morning, Mindy comes back, hopes Taya focuses on the date she had with Brett so that there could be a negative cloud over her and Brett's date. They chill. Room service brings them food and a note. And it basically says, hey, Taya, get ready for our hot date. Yeah, dude, here's the thing. Mindy only gets like one night with Brett. Taya gets a whole fucking day with Yeah, I noticed noticed that. Yeah. Taya goes to meet Brett for the hot date. Brett takes her into the middle of the jungle. Like, they're going on an adventure, and there's, like, a little, and, like, the freaking SUV has to do a little off-roading, and Brett and Taya are getting sketched, and I'm like, hey, fucking Western Pennsylvania cowboy, quit acting like a fucking pussy. <laughs> I don't think you're on some Black Star fucking trail at Moab. You're just cruising through the Dominican <laughs> Republic in a fucking it's suburban. Like, oh, I don't want to go off the pavement. <laughs> These guys. So, yeah, they're going ziplining, you guys. He's taking them ziplining. I wouldn't zipline because it looks fucking terrifying, but cool, dude. Oh, I would tote zipline. Okay, let me... I would rather do ziplining than jump out of a plane. I would... I would... I would. If jumping out of a plane fucks up, I'm dead. If ziplining fucks up, there's a micro chance I can make it out of there alive. Yeah, I would do both if the opportunity presented to me with... If it was free. Like you do anything if it was free. You always say like, "Oh, I'd eat that if it was free." I'd do that if it's free. You know, you know what? I would have. You know, if Not Fest was free, I'd go see Slip. I'd go see Corey Fest. Yeah, <laughs> I would go to Corey Fest if it was for free. <laughs> so she's nervous and stoked. Apparently, has a fear of heights. They get her hooked up. And listen, I'm going through these events kind of quick. It might sound like, but listen, there was like a five solid minutes of stuff was just happening, but it wasn't really noteworthy stuff. It was just the stuff happening. So they get her hooked up. Brett says there's nothing like seeing a hot babe riding a long line. Like, okay, Brett, not your best. So he kisses like, her. Taya was super sketched to fucking Bob on the zip line. I mean, it did look fun. It just reminded me, remember that South Park episode? I never should have gone zip lining. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I'm curious of like, is zip lining like actually boring or is it going to be kind of cool? It doesn't look, who the fuck could say it's boring? Well, I just know Brett gives Taya a kiss of confidence and she sent that, like, she's sent down and she's like, Stoke but sketch. Yeah. It's like, you know, like some people are like scared going on a roller coaster, but at the same time they're pretty sketched and like going through the gnarly shit. And we got Brett just rolling down the zip line going, Hi oh and Brett's if there's anyone, Brett's pretty stoked on the zip line and he's just smashing mad face with Taya. Yeah. Zip zip face smash zip zip. You know what? I'd say a pretty solid day date. Later that night, they go have dinner at the hotel, and Brett's like, "Bro, you're pretty cool to be around. If we walk, uh, if we we walk away from this, I need to be a thousand percent sure that I made the right choice." And then Brett tells her, "I'm a little reserved because you're like talented as fuck. Did you come? To, you're more talented than me. Did you come to promote yourself?" <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you're not wrong. He even asks in his talking head if she'll like wear a penthouse pet shirt, which is funny because the whole time that Tay has been doing these talking heads, she's been wearing her penthouse pet t-shirt and the camera zooms in on it, which is also her boobs as she's talking about something. And then like a modern YouTube video, they like thumbnail, they have a red circle around uh, the, the penthouse pet with red arrows pointing at it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? A things you missed in the trailer video? 20 things you might have missed in the new Marvel Avengers trailer. Yeah, Taya's penthouse titties. <laughs> All right, so. So they go have dinner. That happens. Taya's like, they're like, he asks about the promotional stuff, and then Brett lists his doubts because, like, she's like possibly a stripper, a singer. Obviously, he cracks a joke with like Taya in her shirt and like the freaking, like, you know, post it with the shirt. And the combo gets serial, so they bounce out. Like, all right, this conversation is getting a little serious. Hey, we know it's going to bounce out. I'm it's feeling- almost like Brett Michaels runs away from commitment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Brett's like, okay. He's a little hot and bothered and he wants to get up and some Taya. That whole scene we described, this is basically what I said after he says he has reservations. Taya says, bro, that's crazy talk. Brett's like, okay, I believe you. Let's go to my room. He's uh, he says I'm gonna. Um, Taya says she's on an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, so they were they go to Brett's room for some quality time, and Brett's gonna try to lay down some pipe. Yeah, they he they get in the room. He's like, listen, if we should ever argue in the future, please wear something sexy like you are right now. And it's like ah, oh. but whatever. They go in the bedroom. There's a bed of roses. They're and making they, out, and they totally both psych. Well, maybe she doesn't spend the night. And Brett she likes feel, that. She didn't feel right on like, you know, wanting to hook up with them and wanting to go back back to the hotel. Yeah. And Brett's like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes you kind of do earn a man's respect on not hooking up with them. But at the same time, I also respect every woman that hooked up with me that I fooled around with. Oh, I bet he did. Oh, I bet he did. Whatever. He's, he's a real fucking feminist, that Brett Michaels. Nah, he's just really blue balled at that moment. <laughs> and I'm laughing and Taya goes back to the room and Mindy goes like, oh, Taya didn't stay tonight. Yeah, well, I, I'm not surprised she didn't. Uh, I'm not surprised she's she back She tries to early. be all like hidey toady, freaking all high and mighty. Hoity toity, high and mighty. Fuck, oh. how do people talk with that accent? Oh, no, dude, it was fucking hilarious. I was watching the episode of Kitchen Nightmares for fucking Barefoot Bobs. Oh, yeah. There's the fucking brother bartender as like they remodel the restaurant and he goes like, he fuck like, fuck freaking Ramsey. He fuck. Yeah, I'm trying to get it like hoity toity. He's like just saying it's like saying a restaurant, like car keys, the cat keys and stuff. He's like just saying a restaurant. Freaking, he trying to make this some hoity toity establishment. All our customers just want to do is come and get drunk and buy some food. I'm just like him saying hoity toity was pretty hilarious. All right, so after Taya leaves, it's the morning and they get a note that both the ladies are going to the spa. Yeah. They're going to get massages, freaking manicures, pedicures, and then we just get highlights of Mindy getting her face waxed. Just brutally just snap, snap, snap. And it's like, ouch. You got any comments on them in the spa? The only thing I, um, the only thing I really took away from that besides writing some notes was, wow, Brett really doesn't want to spend any time with these women. (laughs) He wants to spend the least amount of time possible with them. But yeah, yeah so, so Taya is the first one to finish up her spa day, or at least what the edit shows. And she goes back to the room, and well dressed people are in there. And yeah. she's like, uh, What's this? And even when I first watched it, I was like, Yeah, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they go back there. Well, she Taya goes, does. Taya, Taya goes back there, 
to the room. To the room. And then they're just like, hello, Mr. Brett Michaels asked for you to pick out a ring. So I guess they're picking out engagement rings. I'm like, oh, shit. You could not make me care less already, but this just we, made me laugh. And literally, we just got flashbacks of Taya's journey of the show. Yeah. And a lot of it was her just dying. Yeah, she kind of killed herself in a lot of these challenges, especially that roadie one. Yeah, she kind of ate mad shit. Yeah, her whole thing is like, oh, we had a connection since the beginning, and I've been through so much to get here, and blah, blah, blah. And then now it's Mindy's turn. Same thing. She gets engagement rings, and we get flashbacks of her journey of her barely making it there, but also slaying it at football. Yeah. And she's like, I thought I'd go home for sure, but man, it feels so right being with him. And I'm just like, I don't care. Sandy Cheeks, the fuck? There's no buildup. There's no emotional payoff to the season. This doesn't feel like a finale. This feels like another episode. Yeah. So now the ladies prep for the final elimination. Yeah. For the f- what supposedly is a finale. There's like eight minutes left at this point, by the way. And I'm like, what? The, no, maybe like only five. But there's a lot of time left. I'm like, what the fuck? And Brett says he's not a commitment phobic, but did joke around bouncing out. And sw- like, he's like, honestly, if I could, would it be a violation of my contract if I was to go off in the ocean and swim back to the States? Ha ha. That was a little funny element. Oh, here we go. Fuck me. Why is there eight whole ass minutes left? So that's what, yeah. So he spends a few minutes literally explaining how much both of them mean to him, how he wants to thank them for going on this strange, weird journey with him, and how, and he says- like they have the poise, the, digni- the dignity to survive yeah. the journey, but now it's the hard decision. I want to make only, sure I'm making the right decision. I only have one ring here. Pulls the ring out of his pocket, and he says, Mindy- you you <laughs> no, not yet. Oh. <laughs> Mindy says, you came into this innocent looking for adventure and you proved you're strong. That night we went yeah, like, to you te- proved them wrong. Yeah. That night we went to Texas. That one night in Texas. That's been my time. That was, that's been my time that I made a connection. But you get into some funks and I worry if I'm not there, there could be funks that end the relationship. Taya, he says, you're different. You caught my attention immediately. You have more than just a hot body, but you didn't tell me about what a Chad, this is what I wrote. You didn't tell me about what a Chad you are. It reminded me of a bad experience and it hurt my pee-pee. 90% of me loves you and 1% is sus of you. That 99% thing is actually what he said. Yeah. Then Tay in her talking head says, I think Brett is scared of me. (laughs) 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 That made me laugh. And I'm like, okay, it's decision time. Brett calls on Mindy first. You look absolutely beautiful, and these are things that my heart needs to say to you. And we don't hear anything because the wind's blowing, and Taya's like, dude, I can't hear anything, and I feel like it's over for me. And you see Brett and Mindy are all hugging and stuff. Then Brett tells Mindy, you're beautiful and amazing, but this ring is not for you. Almost like shit myself right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I felt like a freaking solid turd might have pushed out as I went, oh, right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I don't worry. I'm good, listeners. If I have to poop, I'm going to, we'll stop. Okay. That so was like, I would just review the rest of the show without me. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Taya, sorry. So Taya's your winner, everybody. Yeah. Oh, it's great because Mindy's mad. It's like, I feel my heart has been just trampled over and ran over by tour buses this whole weeks and stuff. And just like, you know, he's just some freaking like rock star jerk douchebag I can find anywhere in a freaking strip mall if I want to. I'm just like, 
I love it when they get angry and just desperate. Oh, yeah. Because I think Daisy was sad when yeah. she was the second eliminator. And she's like, I really put my heart in this. And I just feel like I was torn out. I just want to go curl up with a ball and Mindy- some ice cream. Yeah. Minnie's like, fuck him. Him, 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 Minnie was like a combo between. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Mindy was like a combo of her and Heather. Because when Heather lost, Heather was just straight angry. When, oh, Heather was the greatest. When Daisy lost, she was just sad. But this was like both. She was sad, but she was still pissed. Yeah, and, he, and she was just dissing Brett. Taylor then realizes that she is Brett's rock of love. And then Brett says his piece. He feels like both can't... Uh, feels like they both can't be his rock of love, but feels Taylor's pretty awesome. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to keep the ring right now. And maybe in time... I might give you this ring. So he didn't even get... It's probably because he didn't want to pay for it. <laughs> it's not his money. <laughs> Maybe VH1 didn't want to pay for it. So Brett on 12 weeks in a row and dating 23 women, he gets he ends up with the penthouse model. Then we have a credits in the shot of the producer saying it's a wrap. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, okay. I didn't see Brett's like, oh, you see, I'm nervous too. I, did, I would never have a ring in my head. I don't know what this is going on. Oh, all right, but it's not over yet, listeners, because believe me, we're not done yet. After the finale uh, of this yeah. epic, oh, hand quotations, epic journey, it's time to come back to the reunion. Time to meet old faces of the season. I definitely have some old faces. Some faces I don't even fucking remember. Oh, I didn't recognize like half this cast. Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to make that straight up. So we have Rackman opening up and yeah. this is the this is like the least worst of Rackman. Brought to like you. Yeah. This is the most dress worst of Rackman, but this is the least douchiest of like, dude, I just want to just fucking go in there and strangle your fucking dumb ass. Yeah, that was the first season. Now, Edward, don't sing the theme song. You already did it. You're good. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Okay. When I meant you were done, I meant you were fucking done singing that song. Ah. Uh. That song. So brought to you by the world's biggest tool, Ricky Rackman. Shout out to my mom who's hated Rackman since like 85. He recaps how season two was all for nothing. (laughs) That's what he says. (laughs) And thought a bus. And he said he recaps how, yeah, season two was all for nothing and thought Brett thought a bus was a great way to find a girl. Ricky calls. Well, that could definitely test how they can handle the road life and his like vigorous schedule. Ricky calls this season memorable. That was a lie. That was a fucking lie. He introduces the women, and this is what I wrote here. I forgot like half of them. Oh, let's like, just break it down. Yeah, I was like, who the fuck are any of you? Well, I remember Ashley. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I mean, I remember like, you know, there was. There, Dude, was wait, wait, did you not get the list of the ladies? You did? Yeah. I got you, homie. <laughs> Why? So the peeps of the season, we have Ashley, yeah. Natasha, Jamie. Britney, the freaking old porn star, and also has great has done great music. Like, uh, I want to fuck the DJ. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go to some fucking like glorious that should, bad music, that should that should be our new intro or outro. Fucking song. Megan, I don't know who the fuck Megan was. Wasn't Megan? Wasn't she the one that was like, I don't even like bread as a person? No, that was Melissa. Yeah. So yeah, who the fuck was Megan, James? Don't I don't fucking remember who Megan is, but I remember Nikki or DJ Lady Tribe. <laughs> that name is so stupid. What does that mean? Your girl Beverly. Yeah, Farah who had like no screen time in this. Yeah, she did near the end, but that was it. Yeah, we also have Farah. Then we got Melissa. You remember the yeah, ones yeah, like yeah. I don't even like Brett as a person. I think he wears extension. 
Yeah. Then we have Kelsey, where she dyed her hair to brown, or maybe it's just darker a f- brown. Or she, may- she was like a dirty blonde, but she just went f- close to full brunette. Yeah, just went full brunette. Then we have Heather. I don't know who the fuck Heather was. There was another Heather, but she was out episode one or two. Oh god, yeah, I could not remember that. We, I remember Marcia. Oh yeah. At first, I wouldn't remember Gia, but I remember. Oh yeah, Gia was the one with the fucking bad shot. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't forget that there was there's, there's a, fucking Mindy. There was Marcia and Maria. Wasn't there Maria? Well, I'm not there yet. Oh, I don't know. Because it was like Gia, Mindy, Britannia, Samantha. I don't know who the fuck Samantha was. Then Maria, where she had to leave episode five due to a medical emergency. Oh right, I remember that. Yeah. So yeah. I remember Maria a little bit. I don't know who the fuck Marcy is. We got Constantina. Yeah, I remember her. Jennifer. Yeah. Cammy, and obviously the most prettiest of them all, Big John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what Ricky says. He introduces so after 15 top 40 that hits. That wasn't a lie. Oh, my God. 25 million singles sold. Dated over what is like 300 chicks. Here's your man of the hour, Brett Michaels. And this crowd pops for him. Yeah, and he gets a fucking like fog machine entrance and all that shit. And why are all these motherfuckers bothering also, me? Also, quick correction. It, he says, um, 15 hit singles, 25 million records. So he comes on. His hair looks absolutely fake. He's got that dumb facial hair goatee thing he's been rocking for the last few years. I guess this is where he got He started it. Ricky says, you know, Brett, there's all these chicks here. You always get a lot of chicks. You ever want some like me time, little alone time, read a novel? Brett says, never happens. I'm like, huh, funny. <laughs> funny. It's funny. It's a funny guy. It's a funny if, guy. It's if, a funny guy. It's Brett Michaels. Oh, shit. Ricky Rackman says, well, Brett, it seems you had a lot of requirements <laughs> for the perfect lady. That made me laugh. Yeah. And I said, no shit. Another truth from Ricky Rackman. They had to be smart sensual and maybe not take a vow of celibacy and i'm like ha ah, making fun of someone's spiritual decisions so yeah we get a fucking video package of constantina of all people the spiritual lady from the foothills of the appalachian mountains the best part who took a oath of celibacy constantina taj mahayo i was so happy i got to hear that line again nah. i really was so what's up with constantina <sighs> post the show okay so <laughs> You know, I wrote, I just know I wrote here the last six contestants, you know, the last six contestants of your show sucked when you bring out a girl that got booted out in like episode four. But yeah, it's just footage of uh, her explaining her celibacy, some of her belly dancing stuff. She comes on stage. Ricky says, are you still celibate? She shrugs and just goes, nah, I'm married. Yeah. Like get wrecked, Brett. Yeah. She's married. She moved to Nashville. And friggin' They got married in New York at Christmas And I guess their reverend was the naked cowboy I wrote bro she left the show And had a whole ass like life changing Adventure by herself like fuck Brett Bro I want to see her show But she did say when going on the show she would have Broke her celibacy for Brett Yeah yeah she says Brett Misunderstood her she said she was looking to come uh, She was looking to come out of the vow And thought Brett would be that person And I wrote here in all caps Brett cock Blocked himself uh, Ain't that great and then Constantina gives Brett a gift. She get, puts a jewel on his bandana to be a place where his third eye would be, but you couldn't see the jewel because it was a red jewel and he's wearing a red bandana. And I was like, wait, what? And he looks completely uninterested. He's like, actually, that's my fourth eye. <laughs> and I just wrote down his penis is feeling spiritual right now. 
Ezra Blech. So back from break, Ricky asks Ricky asks the crowd, how many of the girls found love on the rebound? Some raised their hands. Then if they got engaged, some raised their hands. Some if they got married, some raised their hands. And then pregnant, and one, one raised, raised their hand. And I wrote down, Brett is a miracle worker. Yeah, yeah. He rejects women and their lives get better. You're not wrong. That's what we were told. So then Ricky introduces the slamming drinkers of the season, like oh Marcia, as we get shots of her vomiting. I got to see the puke kiss again. Yo. Oh, yes. We got the vomit Dorito tequila puke kiss. And then we got her going, Fucking Ashley, how do you spill alcopressus alcohol? I as she fucking nails chokes Ashley. She, she did nails his finishing move, bro. Nails. Ah! Marcia has the tech, bro. We need to get her in UFC. So then we see. Uh, and then we have DJ Lady Tribe. Yeah, Gia freaking out about her bag. There was uh, no. Th- Nikki. Oh, Nikki, sorry. They There was no transition. They she just, just started talking she just about it. Like, Where the fuck's the Louis Tom bag? Where the fuck's my Louis Vuitton bag? And looking high like, as Bitch fuck. was like, what would you do with my Louis Vuitton bag? I'll, I threw it in here so we can make some room. Bitch, I don't want to fucking mess with me. I don't fuck with my fucking Louis Vuitton bag. I, I, I fucking had it. And then I show a shot. Everyone's like, eh, I think I'm going to fucking drink a little much. And then I wrote down, dude, she is fucking faded. So then Ricky calls on Gia, Marcia, and Nikki onto the stage for some reason and asks Marcia. They were pretty the hardest drinkers. Yeah, she asked Marcia. Maybe, that we're aware of. He asked Marcia point blank if she has any regrets, uh, especially drinking all tequila. And she's like, I have no regrets. Yeah, she says, she says, uh, I was real and I was myself. She basically told Ricky to hold her nuggets and suck her dick. Shout out to uh, Chiseled Adonis. Um, Ricky asks about the puke kiss and Brett's like, well, there was a kick in the kiss, but you have awesome lips. So I overcame him. Brett then says Marcia and all the girls, um, they held uh, strong throughout the tour. So props. Then they all say they had problems with alcohol. But Nikki is like two months sober. It's like, I'm two months sober now. Like, damn. Then DJ Lady Tribe says she met someone that put her oh, in rehab. Dude, seriously, for the fucking Gia, like, if you're like watching, sh- she like, well, I decided to be sober after watching how I was acting on the show. Yeah. Giving fucking vag shots. And you're like, you know what? Yeah. I might have an alcohol problem. I'm going to go to rehab now. Good for her. And DJ Lady Tribe says she's not fucking on, like, she's, like, freaking sober, too. But I'm like, you still sound faded as fuck. Well, if you drink enough a lot, it's going to leave a lasting effect. But, yeah, so, damn. So, I wrote here, we've had people leave and start families and try to better their lives by getting sober after leaving Brett's whack ass. Ricky sends them away and introduces the blonde entourage. He says alcohol, silicone, and a whole lot of attitude. No, like a, whole, a little bit of attitude. I'm just kidding. A whole lot of attitude. And then he says, and like, well, "You're not wrong. If there's anyone? If there's any peeps that had some attitude, it was definitely the it's blonde entourage." It's a fucking silicone. No, there's so a fucking silicone. So then he says, "In the Civil War," <laughs> which I had to pause right there because I'm like, "Where the fuck are you going with this, Ricky?" We had North versus South in World War Two. It was the Allies versus the Axis. But it all pales in comparison to the blonde versus the non-blonde. And then we see footage of the blondes being fucking wild. Starting fights, drinking and partying, dumping all that hot sauce in Taya's bag. Ashley throwing her frozen food around, which was funny. She's like, pull out your food. And then Jamie. By the way, was Jamie here? 
No. Yeah. She okay. was like during that scene where she's just ripping apart a fucking TV dinner. And no, Jamie's- no, no. She was on the recap, but was she like at the reunion? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see her. They only showed so many chicks. So then yeah. there's also too many chicks there. And then they show her fair and Kelsey stumbling to the elimination. She's like, I can't can spell elimination. So they bring on Ashley, Farrah, and Melissa for some reason. And those two forgot Melissa was on the show. Like the whole time, Ashley's like, I thought she was a fan. I was a fan. Who is this bitch? And they're just constantly, the two of them are constantly. just berating Melissa. Well, Melissa also berates her. like, why are you here? It's like, well, I started the blonderage. And it's like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, now I remember how unlikable you were. Like, yeah, you said you didn't like Brett as a person, but at the same time, you weren't a likable person. Like, Ashley and Farrah are, like, fucking, it could be mean-ass bitches, but at the same time, they're kind of likable entertaining. Yeah. They're yeah. almost love to hate. Yeah. So, the the two of them are constantly interrupting Ricky, which is funny. And I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but did you notice? The Blontourage got the biggest pop of the night. From the crowd. I didn't feel like... Yeah, but they they didn't have that big of pops. There was no Heather pops. Oh, no. But they had the biggest pop out of everyone there. Yeah. So they straight up bully Melissa off the stage. And then Ricky asks Farah, who does she think are the true Blontourage? She says her, G and Ashley. They also consider Brett a member. And that gets an applause. And I wrote here in all caps, Farah and Ashley are baby faces. <laughs> I guess so. Also, Ashley implies she gave Brett a hand job. So you, th- those jokes he made about spitting on his dick were apparently true. Yep. Um, they it's like because they're talking. About, I was like, oh, do you even know the secret blondeurage freaking handshake? And it just says like, oh, don't worry, baby. I already showed Brett a different type of handshake. I'm just like, fuck. And then Farah says the most true shit on this show or at least on this season she said Ricky asked them so what was the point of the, the purpose of the blontourage I'm sorry Ashley says the truth Ashley says the purpose was well what's the point of rock of love without us and that gets a big baby face pop and then she said and then Brett looks annoyed and like he wants to die and then Ferris says almost word for word what you yourself said that the show sucked once they were off and that they brought some action I was like, well, fuck me. I guess James was called it right. Brett says, well, you know, we partied pretty good. And he admits the party went, uh, the party went down without them. And Ricky makes a comment, I don't know, about them, about lesbians or whatever. And Brett asks if Ashley's in the girls. And she says, yeah, I'm in the chicks. So I'm in the guys and I'm into Britannia, you hot, hot bitch. bitch. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I guess, uh, I guess Ashley says, uh, bisexual rights. Then Farrah stops the interview to touch up Ashley's lipstick and then uses that lipstick on herself. And then Ricky says he would buy that pay-per-view. Okay, then. So now we focus on Britney's time on the show. Okay. Yeah. Of all the people. Here's the thing. Obviously this, this like reunion episodes edited and they only just do the important entertaining parts. I'm sure if you were the audience, people hanging out there, I'm sure they brought up all the ladies and talk about like, their tenures on the show. Yeah. To be fair, the porn gal that stole everyone's socks, that's a pretty memorable moment. Yeah. The that's fr- one of the only memorable moments on the show. Stole everyone's socks and was telling Natasha that her grandpa's black. Oh, yeah. And they started being racist. Yeah. I have a black grandpa. My grandfather's black. 
So whatever, Brittany then says like Brett Light is like she's sitting there it's like I thought Brett Light, I thought Brett like big blue big oh my boob, god that's the best blue eyed blonde she, women. She says yeah I re I regret what I said but honestly I was under the impression that Brett only dated busty blue eyed blondes and so because of that I thought that Nata Natasha wasn't Brett's type. I'm like damn. Brett Michaels internally racist confirmed? I guess. She says her and Taya, her and Natasha are cool now. Ricky asks Natasha, do you think you're Brett's type? And then she says, well, it doesn't fucking matter what matters. What matters is if he's my type. And then I think it was Kelsey. Oh, it's Kelsey. See, okay, so you had told me, bro, we should lump these shows together. It's pretty memorable. And I'm watching it and I'm like, so far it's kind of funny, but there's nothing too memorable. But fucking Natasha walks up to Kelsey. No, no, no. Because like that freaking Kelsey is yelling out Natasha, you do porn. And then Natasha's like, hey, I make six figures, bitch. And then Kelsey's like, whatever, Nathaniel. Whatever, Nathaniel. And Natasha's like, hey, stop that shit. And it's like, whatever, Nathaniel. And then we have a moment of when there was ever, a, if there was ever to describe a description of fuck around and find out this was one of those moments as Natasha just walks up to walks down to Kelsey bops her in the face and Kelsey is just murdered yeah she and like Natasha's escorted out and Kelsey had to be carried away by Big John and I'm like that was honestly beautiful there's every <laughs> moment of just like hey fuck around and find out that was literally that body count song get talk shit get shot yeah as the British say chat shit get sh shanked I think but yeah oh it was fuck great fuck around and find out yeah and like I, I read up I think Kelsey got some head damage from that Dude, she was acting pretty ignorant. Like, here's the thing. Oh, Kelsey man. was kind of acting like a young dumbass. Yeah. Kind of an asshole. And just Natasha going like, fuck it. Boom! And just like, oh. It was pretty great. It was beautiful. As soon as I saw I'm that. Like, Why? Well, what's the purpose of Britney fucking talking? But then, oh, we watched Kelsey get murdered. And it's like, worth it. No, that was worth it. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, yeah, this show's memorable. This, let's, that's great. Okay, so um, well, the show's not worth making a singular podcast episode for. No, exactly. That's why I rather just lump it together for the sixty-nine episode spectacular. So they come back from break. Ricky does a quick thing on, "Hey, don't fight, ladies. You can scream and yell and be rude and call each other sluts and whores, but don't fight. That's not cool. Please don't be physical with each other. That's not cool." Then you he goes into talking to Brett about the two finalists, and he he starts by asking him. Ginger or Marianne from old classic sitcom Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Brett says, well, Ginger was sexier, but I always wanted to nail Marianne. But before he could continue, Ricky cuts him off with, I'm not done yet. Let's take a look. The show's a fucking mess. So we see footage. Like, of I'm not done yet. Or is like, of course, it was something like that. So we see footage of Brett with Mindy Cheeks on the boat. Sweet talk uh, flashbacks. Them first they're on the boat. Sweet talking. Then totally boning you guys. Then we see Mindy crying. I'm like, what was it? Episode eight or nine. Then on their awkward date from the finale. And then her just getting deleted from the finale. They bring her on. And Ricky Rackman. I thought I was watching Daisy of Love because in this moment I was like, you know what? You're not half bad, Rackman. He is straight up like, I'll be honest. I think you made the wrong choice not picking Mindy. And he gets like, there's like a solid couple minutes where he's just telling Brett, yeah, man, wrong move, bro. That wasn't it, chief. And he asked Mindy, what does she think? Like in hindsight, you know, because she got along well with pretty much oh, the Oh, dude, you forgot. So, uh, well, what? there's nothing to forget. I just wanted to make a comment because Mindy was coming down. Brett and Mindy 
They smashed face for a minute. I noticed that. Yeah, I forgot. But the, what I noticed more was Ricky was just standing there. Then he sits down with a creepy fucking face expression watching Brett make out with Mindy. And I'm like, is that what you made your career on? Watching dudes cooler than you make out with women? Because that's fucking yes, creepy. Yes, we saw him in The Clown of Western Civilization Part 2. And that was his whole thing. Yeah, at this club, we turn off the air conditioning to get chicks. He's like friends with Axl Rose. That's Ricky's whole career. He's a creepy motherfucker. <laughs> so now, on to Mindy's dialogue. Yeah, he's asking him, like, so what was it like for you? You got along pretty well with most of the cast. Why is that? And she's like, I just keep it real. You know, I'm me. Ricky's like, you know, Brett, you had to make some tough decisions. You know, shit gets crazy. What's what stood out about Mindy to you? And Brett says, she was the most sincere. And then... Brett gets, uh, sorry, Mindy gets like a solid minute where she's just like, yeah, man, it was real. And she's like, trying not to cry. She's like, I was really in love with you. There hasn't been a day. I haven't thought about you. And I don't know what to do. No, she doesn't say I don't say know that. what to do. No, she doesn't but say she that. But she just realizes like, you know what? If I only said I love you, maybe this would have been a different story. Not really, because this is probably a good place to say it. When I said Brett's zero for three on that, Daisy said she loved him. Heather said she loved him, and Mindy basically all but said she loved him. But he went with the two gals that were playing debatably hard to get and never said they loved him. Because Brett's fucking dumb. Yep. So Well, I'll defend Jess. Brett was, like, dying from his diabetes, yeah. so she actually nursed him. Amber and him, they got fucking freaky. Or at least I was told. Like, they were That's just what it like, sounded like. like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they got fucking down. Brett says, you know, I just had a hard time knowing where you were at. If you Also, freaking Daisy was sketch. Yeah. If you would have told me this earlier, things might have been different. Nope. And that's what I wrote here, which is bullshit because, you know, Heather and Daisy. But they have like kind of a nice heartfelt back and forth, I guess, in the crowd. Cheers. Mindy says since the show, things have changed. Uh, people like go up and meet her, try to take pictures with her, and it makes her smile. Commercial. Now back from signed. Commercial. Time for the buildup for him and Taya. It goes through their discussion through the photo shoot, her showing him her ass, and Aria. then the wedding bullshit from like episode what was that two or three where they had to make their own vows, and, and she's she, like giving him framed pictures of her first ever centerfolds and yeah. the lingerie she wore on those centerfolds. Angel, and obviously Brett's going Kyle. Yeah. So, oh, and then her whooping ass in the truck stop Olympics, and then Mindy complaining about Taya to Brett. And oh, then we just will never go away. And then without a Taya, there has to be a Mindy. And without yeah. a Mindy, there has to be a Taya. And then them totally boning you guys. Then flashbacks to them kissing and kissing and more kissing and some feel good pop country song uh, with really not the best mic quality I've noticed. Uh, I think that's the one song. Was it the one where Taya sang that she performed on the song? Was challenge? that the song they played? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, maybe you weren't paying attention to the show. You know, well, maybe you can suck my small wiener. How about that? I'm not that? going to. How about, how about we continue on? I respect your decision. <sighs> Doctor the Danger Radio Show says respect consent. All right. Taylor was brought out. And uh, yeah, the cast of girls was hating on her the whole time. Oh, dude. All, no, no applause. No applause. All the ladies were disgusted. The blondes or Oz refused to look. They just turned their seats around. I'm like, you girls are silly. Ricky asks about the whole promoting yourself thing again. And Taya's like, what the fuck was I supposed to do? Lie to him? Yeah, my job is to be a naked model. And like, that was a big bomb. And it admits that like, yeah, no, she used to strip. Where I wrote down, she used to trip. 
<laughs> I guess fucking living out in Vegas. No, she makes people trip out on her. People get mad at her and hate her because she's good at shit. Yeah. And then Beverly, who has had no agency this whole reunion, doesn't even get like a line. Uh, she just shouts from the audience, yeah, but you're still not a stripper, right? I wasn't a stripper. I was a featured dancer. No, you're a slut. I forgot what she said, but no, she said something slut. to that effect. So then after that, um, Brett looks, <laughs> Brett says, look, man, Tay and Mindy put up with a lot of shit and who am I or anyone to cast judgment on what they do for a living? And then Beverly, she must have had something to drink because she was looking like that episode where she told Brett she knew he needed to shave. She like rolls her eyes super duper hard. And I wrote, lol. Ricky asked Mindy after planting some, after playing, uh, if, you know, after playing some seeds of doubt, if she still mistrusts Taya. And Mindy's like, well, I didn't plant seeds of doubt on purpose. And she's like, I just didn't see the genuineness in Taya's mind. Ricky's like, does hearing Mindy's testimony make you feel bad, Taya? Taya says, hey, man, I was real cool with Mindy. We had a lot of talks. But I guess she took those things and twisted it into an agenda. That's what she says. An agenda to sabotage Taya, basically. Which isn't incorrect, but it's not correct either. Ricky asks Brett, some people have had uh, feelings, uh, negative feelings to Taya. How does that make you feel? Brett says, well, what matters to me is how people treat other people. Taya and Mindy, they treated the other girls well. And the three of us became very emotionally intertwined. And then Brett says maybe the worst, best, worst thing he's ever said. Yeah, what is that? There's a lot of shows out there that are they're, are bullshit. <sighs> they're bullshit. But oh, this is- not just it's bullshit. He's like, no, no. All those other shows... They're bullshit. We have here was real, and I'm like, this is a real show. You literally ended it's credits. It's emotional. You guys ended fucking credits. The fucking final episode with a fucking. That's a wrap. Eat shit. That was the biggest lie I think Brett Michaels has ever told in his whole life. Oh, God, I just want to fucking punch my fucking wall <laughs> because my freaking projector is projecting onto it. <laughs> so then. <laughs> So then um, he says, uh, so after that, he said, ultimately, Taya told him how she felt more clearly. And then back from break, Taya says, hey, you all remember that? Y'all remember that engagement ring subplot? Well, Brett has been holding on to the ring the whole time. And Brett and um, and he's like, Brett, what the fuck was all that about? And Brett says, well, it was to show I was sincere. Taya, Ricky asks, what do you think? Taya's like, I'm, I'm either going to be stoked or bum was my thoughts during all this. And Ricky asks if Brett popped the question. She says, honestly, if he did it that night, I would have said yes. And Ricky's like, well, what about now? Do you hope in a few years you are Mrs. Brett Michaels? And she's basically like, well, I don't really know. And oh my God, if the cast was heckling her before, they were heckling her now. Specifically, um... Because uh, she tries to go on this thing where she's like, well, you know, I just uh, I was by myself for a long time with all these thoughts and I had no closure. And all the, all the other girls, even someone like Mindy has closure. And Mindy's like, she got fucking furious. The crowd was furious. And I'm like, you know, I think Taya's back through this whole season, but that's kind of whack. Taya's, Mindy's like, what the fuck are you on about, foo? I didn't get any closure. So then Brett just says, you know what? I think we just need time to figure it out on our own. And then Ricky sends us off the Rock of Love universe with one last lie and a thank you to Big John and all the girls uh, who, because he says they made this season memorable. And then he says, catch me on Daisy of Love. Rock of Love. Hey, we're not done yet. In the credits, we have Britannia showing off her new butt implants. Oh, my God. Fuck, I forgot. Yeah, so what's it feel like? 
or to be done. done. What's it feel like to be done? Fucking done. I'm tired. This is definitely a spectacular episode as we're almost approaching three hours. If I had to give my... Is this, are you glad we finally done a, th- a three-hour episode? I was just joking that we should do that. I didn't know if we'd actually do it. But, uh, you know, I'll say this about Rock of Love, my deep personal philosophical thoughts on it. This is a journey I didn't think in my life I would take. And it's a journey, you know, we've had a lot of laughs. We've seen some things, things I'll remember. And this podcast has been a pretty good experience. You know, it led to us uh, because of this show. We now review music all the time. We talk about movies now and then. We have some laughs. Because of the show, we have a bit of a fan base. People out there listen to us. They download our stuff. You know, do they watch every minute? Probably not. That's fine. Listen. Listen, sorry. Sorry, I'm just being a stickler. Apologize for that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, and I'm glad I took this journey because I'm glad that the show gave me the things I have. We've got dope mics and production, all in the name of having a good podcast. And we wouldn't have done it if we didn't be like, hey, man, let's start a podcast and roast Rock of Love. Um, That being said, holy fuck, I'm glad we're done. I never have to watch Brett Michaels in something ever again. I'm really happy. Fuck the show. And I don't even know. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad we got here. I'm glad I went on the journey, but I'm glad it's fucking done. My thoughts. What are yours? All right. Here's my thoughts on Rock of Love. Uh, first season, I remember it being entertaining. The second season, it just became a fucking mess. The season was just bad and boring, and I understand why it killed the show. And like the concept was kind of a disaster. The scenes and sets were just not as glamorous as the others, so it wasn't as fun to watch or as pleasing to watch. And yeah, the blonde tourage might have made the show entertaining, but once they left, the show just fucking died off a cliff. Um, yeah, I don't think it like Brett succeeded with Taya. The only reason to watch the reunion episode was that friggin' Natasha punches out Kelsey, and like I feel like it was a little bit better than the last reunion episode. Last reunion episode was pretty bad. I remember. Except it wasn't that great. Except Daisy and Heather fighting. But as serious as whole, this was like it was a good start on journeys. Though we did take a long break before getting into season three. But we are done with Brett Michaels at the moment. I don't know. We might review some of his later. Not in a mo- not in a long time. But from here on, we're done for the foreseeable future. Now, what's the next thing we're watching? Uh, we'll figure that out. I guess so. We'll figure that out. Don't worry, listeners, because this is a media review, Potpourri style. All right. This was the fucking... Dr. Death Danger Radio Show, 69th episode, super spectacular, fucking three-hour-long, fucking epic. Listeners, it's 10, it's 10, it's 10, 16 p.m. I don't know if Edward has to work in the morning, but I gotta be up at 5.30. So, fucking, I wanna wrap this up. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry I sound a little sour, but my life's been, my, my week was a disaster. But, we fucking did the podcast, we're done with Brett Michaels. And you know what? I hope you enjoy your week. I hope you enjoy this episode. Shout out to anyone that freaking not just shout out. Mad respect and love to anyone that listens to all three fucking hours. Congratulations. You've earned the title of big guy. So yeah, to repeat, this was the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show. Episode 69 Spectacular with your good host, James. And Edward. All right. Have a good one. Adios. Bye, Brett.